podcast en Tuesday, the first day of a brand new month, the month of August. Let's pray a prayer to St. Alphonsus Liguori, whose feast is today, a prayer for all suffering from arthritis. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. St. Alphonsus, preacher, confessor, founder, bishop, doctor of prayer, and friend of the poor, you are also the special patron of all who suffer from arthritis and the pains of many years. When our fingers twist with pain, keep us focused on the hands of Christ pierced with nails when our knees knob with endless endless aches allow us to see the knees of jesus hitting the street under the heavy cross when our backs stiffen with soreness let us remember the back of christ thrown across the cold rough wood of the cross when our joints hips arms legs and knuckles hurt so much that tears well up in our eyes help us to recall the tears the sweat and blood that flowed from our crucified Jesus, who suffered so much more for each of us. We ask this through his name. Amen. St. Alphonsus, pray for us. Praying for all of you who struggle with any of those pains mentioned in that prayer this morning. Some of you uh, know that that first thing in the morning is where you wake up and you realize, man, sleep hurts sometimes. We are praying for you. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. We'll check in with Father Boniface Hicks. More thoughts on personal prayer from him. Marlon De La Torre will be along as well from knowingisdoing.org. And towards the end of the hour, we'll take a little extended time to talk to Father Thomas Berg about the latest child protection report, what's being done well, what's being done poorly, what we can do to make things better so that we are who we ought to be, who it is absolutely necessary that we be as the church. So stay with us as you uh, are able. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Tens of thousands of young people are descending on Lisbon, Portugal, as World Youth Day kicks off today. The event runs through August 6th and the theme for 2023 is from Luke chapter 1 verse 39 Mary arose and went with haste Pope Francis will travel to Portugal tomorrow to join the pilgrims his prayer intention for this new month of August is that World Youth Day in Lisbon will help young people to live and witness the gospel in their own lives Ukraine will be observing Christmas on December 25th, starting this year. From Vatican Radio, Stefan Boss has more. Amid the setbacks, Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky visited Ukrainian troops in advanced positions near the eastern Bakhmut front line on Saturday. Earlier, he visited a damaged cathedral and medical center in Odessa following Russian strikes there. He also found time to sign into law that moves the official Christmas Day state holiday from January 7th to December 25th to protest Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Kiev says that for centuries, first Imperial Russia and then the Moscow-dominated Soviet Union had tried to control Ukraine. This included the imposed authority of the Russian Orthodox Church over Ukraine's churches. For Vatican Radio, 
I am Stefan Bulls reporting. The U.S. House and Senate have each approved their own version of a must-pass defense spending bill. The Senate one does not include an amendment that was passed by the House, which would prevent the Defense Department from reimbursing travel costs for service members to get abortions. But Texas Senator John Cornyn would like to see the amendment on abortion be part of the final bill. There will also be a debate over funding going toward operations on gender transition for military members. All troops would get a 5% raise in both versions. Indiana's near total ban on abortion takes effect today. It prohibits all abortions in the Hoosier state with exceptions within a certain time frame in the cases of rape, incest, fetal abnormalities, or when the mother's life is determined to be at risk. Indiana was the first state to pass new abortion restrictions after Roe v. Wade was overturned in 2022, but the ban was initially blocked by a judge. It is able to take effect now because of an Indiana Supreme Court ruling last month determining the ban does not violate Indiana's constitution. More high temperatures are in store across the southern U.S. this week. Tens of millions of Americans remain under heat alerts, particularly in states like Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Arkansas. The feels-like temperatures could reach triple digits through tomorrow. Meantime, portions of the southwest are Seeing the heat temporarily ease a bit, Phoenix, Arizona's record-long streak of 31 days at or above 110 degrees finally came to an end yesterday. More than half of U.S. adults say they live paycheck to paycheck. Mark Mayfield has more. A new report from Lending Club puts that number at 61%. It suggests that lower-income workers have been hit the hardest by price increases because food and other staples account for a bigger share of their household budgets. Among consumers earning less than $50,000 annually, roughly three-quarters were living paycheck to paycheck in June. This comes despite signs that inflation appears to be cooling. I'm Mark Mayfield. And the actor best known for portraying Pee Wee Herman has died. Comedian Paul Rubens was 70 years old. His death was announced yesterday. He had been undergoing treatment for cancer. He created and starred in the TV series Pee-wee's Playhouse from 1986 to 1990 and parlayed that into two movies in a statement Rubens prepared for to be read after his death. He said, quote, please accept my apology for not going public with what I've been facing the last six years, saying I have loved you all so much and enjoyed making art for you. May he rest in peace. Uh, I, of course, was the generation uh, that experienced Pee Wee's Playhouse <laughs> as a uh, as a child. Yes, you know, he was in some, a bunch of other stuff too, but he often played like things that you couldn't tell necessarily that it was him because everybody recognized him for being mm-hmm. Pee Wee's Playhouse. But you know he was on uh, he was on Mystery Men. He was on um, I think he uh, he showed he cameoed in a lot of stuff. He was well, in Buffy when the Vampire Slayer. When you're somebody, the movie, when you're Pee Wee Herman, you get to make ironic cameos all the time. So it's true. 
Well, may he rest in may peace. May he rest in peace. Rest in peace, Pee Wee. I mean, I, I, I don't know what to say. I know. Well, no, we pray for his soul. Absolutely. Although we do do sometimes like, the, you know, the word of the day kind of things around here, which mm-hmm. is actually probably more Groucho Marx. I think Pee Wee got some of that stuff from Groucho. No doubt. Maybe a little Charlie Chaplin in there, too. The physical comedy stuff. <laughs> it is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Boniface Hicks. He's online at fatherboniface.org, co-author of Personal Prayer, a guide to receiving the Father's love. Father, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So today we get to talk about communal prayer and entering into the life of the church in our prayer. And I think this is just such a fascinating thing for us to think about as Catholics because, uh, you know, the religious impulse of, you know, American stuff is to select a church based on whether you go and you're getting something out of that church. If you're going, you're not getting something out of that place. You go and you find something where you are. Uh, And when it comes to the Catholic perspective on prayer, it's not always about me getting something out of the service every time. There's something bigger going on. There's something I'm participating in. Why does the church call us to be part of something and pray together, even if not every single person in the room is getting something that's specifically for them that day? There's something really beautiful about being part of a community and to be able to say we are worshiping, which doesn't necessarily mean that I am doing everything at every moment or that even my attention is fully there at every moment or that everything is touching me personally, but we are worshiping. We are together. We are giving praise to God. We are praying for the transformation of the world. We are uh, remembering and making present this, this Eucharistic sacrifice, our Lord's love, and bringing that into the world. To be able to say that we are doing something is is really powerful. It is a very powerful thing, but I mean, I guess the second part of this is, well, what do you do when it's not your day <laughs> to be to be the one being quote unquote fed? I mean, if you're entering into, I mean, the Psalms are a perfect example about this. Of this, you open up morning prayer and you're having a bad day, and here's this Psalm that's rejoicing, or you're opening up the Psalms for morning prayer. And uh, you're having, you know, a great day. And then here's this depressing psalm right out of the gates that you're like, oh, man, that's a downer. Like, how do we help enter into or appreciate that idea of being part of a community when we don't feel like the psalm we're reading connects with what we're feeling that day? Yeah, the, uh, the, the psalms, all 150 of them really cover the entire range of human emotions. And as you say, Matt, uh and they're often in the first person. I cry to you, O Lord, uh, Lord, hear my voice. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not really crying to him because I feel great. You know, it's a great day, and uh, I'm really more in a Thanksgiving mood. There was uh, there are stories of the, the, the monks in the desert who really made the Psalms their mainstay, praying every day, and a young monk feeling like, well, you know, should I just pray the Psalms that really represent me and the the, the wise uh, older monk said, no, you pray the Psalms that, uh, that, you, that you're given to pray, remembering that somebody is feeling that way, and you're praying on their behalf. You're united to them in a, uh, in, in a unique way by, by praying for them, taking up their words, offering up their sorrows, or, or when you're feeling down, 
offering of somebody else's joy and thanksgiving. And, and we realize when we do that that we really are united as a people. It's not just about my personal sanctification project. It's, it's really about uh, we're all in this together and we're making a journey together. Uh, the church is, is making that journey towards our heavenly homeland. And there are times that others are carrying us and there are times that we are carrying others. And, and, and the liturgy especially is the way that we, uh, that we do that together on behalf of others, with others, and, and sometimes others uh, really carrying us. Yeah, I saw something online, uh, a study uh, just a couple days ago that talked about that the, uh, the number one reason that people don't go to church uh, on a Sunday, decide not to go to church is bad weather. Um, you know what the number two reason uh, that people, uh, at least on this poll, decide not to go to church after bad weather? It's good weather. <laughs> so oh, uh, this terrible. idea that if the weather's bad, ah, I don't know, it's too bad, let's not go to church. Or if the weather's really great, man, I hate to go to church on a day like this. Look how beautiful it is outside. Um, so we don't really have, I don't think, the sense of duty that we ought to when it comes to being part of a worshiping community together and lifting each other up and being a part of that body. But do you think this concept that you're explaining might help us get a little better, better sense of, uh, you know, some of the reasoning behind why we have a duty to be there together almost no matter how we feel or how nice it is? Yeah, that's right. I mean, when, when there are those who really struggle to pray, they need you to pray for them. And, uh, the, again, the, the the opposite will also happen. But yeah, it's uh, again just breaking out of the individualism and selfishness that is so prevalent in our world, and seeing ourselves as a people, as a community, is is so critical. That it's uh, and I, you know, we, we felt that especially after COVID. I, I remember a lot of the churches making you know, invitations to to come back. We we need you. To be with us, we miss you. Our worship is missing something significant when you're not there. And uh, I've been I've been teaching. I'm actually at the Theology of the Body Institute at the moment and uh, teaching a course on spiritual direction, but looking at you know through the lens of John Paul II's Theology of the Body. And he says very beautifully, you know, our, our from the moment of our creation, we are set in a unique, exclusive, and unrepeatable relationship with God. Nobody else has my relationship with God. And so if I'm missing, there is something missing. No, nobody else, there's no other way to access the, the way that God loves me and is present to me except if I'm there. And so I experience that personally, but I also contribute that by being present and sharing in the worship of others. And, and so we really need the whole worshiping community. We need everybody's relationship with God to be brought together to give Him praise and to intercede for the world. You know, there's that interesting thing that Paul says uh, when he talks about how he is going to fill up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. And somebody might say, well, what do you mean lacking? And Christ did it all. <laughs> he suffered it all. But, you know, Paul hadn't suffered his part. Paul and his body of the Christ hadn't suffered fully, uh, the, just exactly like you're, you're saying, uh, to, to, to conform himself to the suffering of Christ as a member of that body. So, I mean, there's layers and layers of stuff here, uh, but you're hanging out at the Theology of the Body Institute. Say hello to Bill Donahue for us. He's another Sunrise sure Show regular who's, uh, who's on here from time to time, usually talking music and theology with us. And uh, we've got your book, Personal Prayer, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a wonderful day, Father Boniface. You too, Matt. Thanks so much.
All right, we got headlines coming up right after this. It's 16 minutes past the hour. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. What's stopping you? from becoming a Catholic. Why can't women become priests? I don't understand why I have to earn salvation. How is it possible that God created everything? Why do I need to confess my sins to why a priest? Why is the Catholic Church so unwilling to recognize the Catholic Church is too rich? Catholics worship Mary and our community. As far as I'm concerned, all religions are equal. You are called to communion with Dr. David Anders. Today, 2 p.m. Eastern, on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Tens of thousands of young pilgrims are descending on Lisbon, Portugal now as World Youth Day kicks off today. Pope Francis traveled to the Basilica of St. Mary Major yesterday to pray for his pilgrimage to Portugal, which will begin tomorrow. And Ukraine will now be observing Christmas on December 25th. Wow. I know. Are they doing Easter with us, too? I don't think they're doing I haven't heard anything about Easter. Well, that'll be kind of cool. I mean, it's sad why this is happening, but it yes, um, might think- be a step toward unity with the uh, Ukrainian Orthodox. So, Well, there, there are a lot of things that are a lot of powerful moves of Christian unity and... You know, these kinds of things are driven by sad and frustrating and difficult situations. Mm-hmm. But, wow, that would be interesting. You know, and, of course, we are coming up faster than people realize on the 1,000th anniversary of the East-West split. Oh, man, you're right. Of 1054. We're, uh, we're 31, 31 years, years away. 31 years away from that. Mm-hmm. Although the, the anniversary that I'm paying attention to that's coming up is the uh, the one that's going to be two years from now, the 1700th anniversary of the Nicene Creed, the Council of Ooh. Nicaea. So cool. we're going to have to, we're going to have to do something for that, Anna Mitchell. It's a good idea. We got to plan ahead. Two there years. was a, 
I got two years to come up with something. Yeah, you know, we already went put through together the creed a show. with Father John Gavin. Yeah. If only I had realized. If only. Maybe I could have, you know, pushed that back. We should have started the catechism series earlier. Yeah. And by the way, happy feast creed. day to the to the redemptorists. Yeah. While we're talking about ordered priests and uh, people related to them, and actually. Um, the, the IHM nuns have connections to the Redemptorists as well, so I know that they'll celebrate aspects of this feast also. Uh, St. Alphonsus Liguori, we're going to talk a lot more about him next hour with Dr. Matthew Bunsen, Doctor of the Church, Doctor of Moral Theology, patron saint, as you heard at the beginning of this hour, of those suffering from arthritis. So if that's you suffering from arthritis this morning, we are praying for you through the intercession of St. Alphonsus Liguori. Pray for us. It's 21 minutes past the hour. Catholics buy houses, grocery shop, buy cars and wedding cakes and go to the doctor. And according to a survey we did, 96% of our listeners are more likely to support a business they've heard on Sacred Heart Radio. So when your business underwrites Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, you target the people who want to use your service, but also share your Catholic faith. For more information on underwriting, call me, Leah, at 513-731-7740 or email Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. Many times, the death of a loved one occurs while they are away from home. Depending on the distance, this expense could cost their family tens of thousands of dollars. To help families, the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society offers the Travel Plan, which assists in bringing home a loved one if death occurs more than 100 miles from their residence. A reasonable one-time fee provides a lifetime of coverage. Find out more about the Travel Plan at the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society, 557-2306, extension 319, or online at cccsohio.org. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirmed. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Marlon De La Torre from the Diocese of Columbus. He's online at knowingisdoing.org. Marlon, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Go Bucks. So today we get to talk about living the joyful Christian life and uh, helping people understand that it's, uh, well, it's not a... It's not a party all the time, but that true happiness can be found there. That can be a hard sell, though, Marlon, because sometimes the life of sin, the life of following temptations and indulging the pleasures of the flesh or whatever, that just seems like more fun. So how how are we supposed to uh, communicate the appeal of the gospel? And just like 
it looks by every appearance, by all the marketing and packaging, that the sinful lifestyles just seem to be more fun. You know, it, it, it's it's kind of funny when when you engage someone in, in that type of language and rhetoric. Uh, words can be very powerful in looking at the entomology of things. Um, this particular person I wrote about, uh, he, he was a very normal-looking human being, nothing uh, out of the sorts or ordinary. And in our conversation, he just, matter of fact, said, look, um, I guess by your definition, I'm a joyful sinner, and I actually quite enjoy my life. And I said, no, that's fine. I mean, if, if, if you have fruits of your labor and you're enjoying what you think is, is right, all the power to you. But I said, uh, is there a possibility of something else also bringing you joy? Can it exist? Is is there a uh, uh, an opportunity to seek joy in, in a different way? And can that be defined even more powerfully than what you define it as? And so he just looked at me in this in this in this, uh, this blank stare. He said, well, "Well, does that exist?" And I said, "Well, you want to give it a try. Are you are you lonely? Are you feeling despondent? Or are all these pleasures really giving you?" what you seek. And so that, that just started a conversation with him. And the basic premise I asked him says, do, do you have a, at least a, a heart uh, to understand someone else's difficulty or challenges? Is, is there a place within you to really look at uh, another human being and say, you know what, he may be struggling, maybe what he's engaged in may not be all that it's cracked up to be. And so this is part of a, a very subtle way of introducing just uh, literally the joy of the gospel, taking the page from Pope Francis, but also just uh, the joy of looking at another human being with, with grace, with mercy, with love, which is something that he hadn't considered, ironically enough, if you can believe it. Uh, this gentleman said, well, you know, that's a, that's a new concept for me. So th there is a possibility of looking at uh, a life and, and living a different way other than uh, the sinful pleasures that uh, he was indulged in. Well, I say that those things look like fun, and they, they yeah. can be fun for a short period of time. <laughs> the problem is is that they you kind of got a window on a bunch of that stuff. Um, I don't go to Hollywood very often, Marlon. Actually, I don't ever go there. But I was recently in Nashville and uh, hanging out in the airport in Nashville, and, you know, that's kind of the home of the country music industry and you know a lot of people who are you know there's a there's a look there's a feel there's a sound there's like a list of topics you know there's there's a whole culture surrounding it you know drinking and partying and you know all that sort of stuff and there are all these people who dress up and you know get real nice and want to look real good but you know when you're up close and personal to it you realize there's a whole bunch of people who are young and trying to look like they're a little bit older to be in this certain age bracket. And then you have a whole bunch of people who are really old and hanging on for dear life and trying to desperately dress and act like they're about 20 years younger than they are. And everybody's trying to like squeeze themselves demographically towards this one, you know, sort of decade and a half or so of the, the time when they can really have fun or the time when they used to have fun, they're trying to reclaim. And that's just, it just was it struck me how fleeting that is right how how fleeting that is uh to try if you center your life around you know partying and experiences or looking good let's just face it the shelf life on that stuff is short you're not going to look you know young and beautiful forever you're not going to be able to drink how much you drank and have uh you know get back up in the morning and go do what you got to do forever those things are going to fade those things are are temporal. 
Absolutely. It's, it, it, it is unique. I mean, coming from Southern California, I can describe Hollywood Boulevard to you or Rodeo Drive or look uh, down the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Uh, very similar in, in terms of its process because it, it's an incarceration. You can see how literally trapped or incarcerated the other person is. They may not see it that way, but you see the struggle of, of maintaining a certain way of living. Um, there's no... Uh, there's no desire to look beyond that. Uh, it's, that's why I use the example of Solomon who said, give me an understanding heart, Lord. Help me to understand my people. Help me to make the right moral judgment. And I, I think there's something we can take from that, either from Solomon, also from just the whole process of conversion and, and the admission that this is not what life is. This is not what I intended to seek. There must be more than just my uh, desire to look a certain way or to fit in a certain culture. Uh, and I think we have a lot of antidotes here from St. John Paul II and St. John uh, Vianney, whose feast day is on Friday, that, you know, uh, the whole premise of our life is humility, servitude, and love of the Lord. And, and that's very freeing. And when sin does come into our play, uh, we can handle a little bit better, and it's not the end of the world. So I, I, I agree with you that uh, it's very fleeting. Well, Marlon, just so you know, I, uh, I flew from D.C. to Nashville for the weekend to visit family, and on the plane were a bunch of people from the D.C. area who were going to see a particular musician in concert on a limited tour playing in Nashville. And all these people were like in their get-ups and, you know, dressed and, and, you know, excited and talking and having fun. And we got back on, a lot of us, on the same plane coming back from Nashville. I came back after visiting family. A lot of people went to this concert, were on that plane, and a lot of them were wearing sunglasses and rubbing their temples and not very talkative at all. <laughs> I feel like they maybe didn't make the world's greatest decisions at that concert. So they might have had fun, but they might have also regretted the fun a little bit. So there's that aspect, too. Marlon, have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. You too, Matt. Go Bucks. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna with news. Good morning. Tens of thousands of young pilgrims are heading to Lisbon, Portugal, as World Youth Day kicks off today. The event runs from August 1st through the 6th, and the theme for 2023 is from Luke 139. Mary arose and went with haste. Pope Francis will travel to Portugal tomorrow to join the pilgrims. As is his custom, the Holy Father paid a visit to the Basilica of St. Mary Major yesterday to entrust his pilgrimage to Our Lady. This will be his fourth World Youth Day as Pope. His prayer intention for the new month of August is that World Youth Day in Lisbon will help young people to live and witness the gospel in their own lives. The prefect for the Dicastery for Integral Human Development spoke yesterday at the International Congress on the Care of Creation being held in Lisbon just ahead of World Youth Day. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. Cardinal Michael Cherney, prefect of the Dicastery for Promoting Integral Human Development, gave an address entitled The Theological Significance of Integral Ecology that's at the service of every person, particularly the most vulnerable. Cardinal Cherney first looked at the new geological epoch of today, which has brought about what he called a staggering turning point in the history of our planet, where human beings have significantly altered all planetary systems, the atmosphere, oceans, continents, and ecosystems. Cardinal Cherney pointed out that the focal point of 
Pope Francis' encyclical on the care of our common home, Laudato Si, tells us simply and forcefully that humanity has to change and even more so to convert. And the Pope also examines the role of the new generations in the encyclical, recalling that young people demand change. They wonder how anyone can claim to be building a better future without thinking of the environmental crisis and the sufferings of the excluded. Cardinal Cherney also offered some concrete actions to authentically promote an integral ecology, and the main objective is to achieve through a sustainable transition the goal of zero emissions by the middle of this century. He notes that there must be a rapid transition from a fossil fuel economy to a clean energy economy. And to achieve this goal, he explained that one must stop deforestation, especially in watersheds of global importance like the Amazon and the Congo. He said one must protect ocean shorelines from erosion and protect biodiversity and halt ecosystem degradation. To promote an integral ecology, Cardinal Trinifani pointed out to a guide we all have, a role model often mentioned by Pope Francis, and that's St. Francis, who's the excellence of care for the vulnerable and of an integral ecology lived out joyfully and authentically. The Saint of Assisi, he says, shows us how inseparable the bond is between concern for nature justice for the poor, and commitment to society and interior peace. I'm Thaddeus Jones. The U.S. House and Senate have now both approved their own versions of a must-pass defense spending bill. The Senate version does not include an amendment passed by the House, which would rescind the Defense Department's newer policy to pay for service members to travel to obtain abortions. But Texas Senator John Cornyn says he would like to see that amendment be part of the final bill. There will also be debate over funding going toward medical interventions for service members identifying as transgender. One point of agreement, though, all troops would get a 5% raise in both versions. Ukraine will be observing Christmas on December 25th. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky signed a law on Friday that moves the official holiday to December 25th from January 7th, which is the day the Russian Orthodox Church celebrates Christmas. Attached to the law was an explanation saying the goal was to abandon the Russian heritage, citing Ukraine's relentless successful struggle for their identity. The mayor of New York is asking for federal help dealing with an overflow of migrants. Trey Thomas has more. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is again asking for federal help after migrants were forced to sleep on sidewalks and in cardboard boxes in Manhattan. We need help and it's not going to get any better. From this moment on, it's downhill. There is no more room. Adams is assuring New Yorkers that there will not be tents with migrants all over the city, but that they need federal assistance. I'm Trey Thomas. More high temperatures are in store across the southern U.S. this week. Tens of millions of Americans remain under heat alerts. However, portions of the southwest are seeing the heat temporarily ease a bit. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by you. Yes, your donations make Catholic Radio possible. So to give a gift of any amount, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click donate or call 513-731-7740. And thank you. This is Chris Knockelman, owner of Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Our family has been a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio for more than a decade, and we encourage other businesses to do the same. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. 
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers Drs. David and Michael Rothen have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The twin dental doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. Alphonsus Liguri, Tuesday, August the 1st. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air, online at skpha.com. Going to be a really nice day today. Right now, it's kind of cool with temperatures in the upper 50s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, mostly sunny skies, low humidity, and a high of 84 degrees today. A few clouds tonight and pleasant with an overnight low of 63, partly cloudy and a little warmer tomorrow with a high of 86 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, sunny with a few afternoon clouds and a high of 85 today. A few clouds tonight with an overnight low near 60, a mix of clouds and sun tomorrow and a high near 86 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Thirty-seven minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. For over five hundred years, the Church. Matt, I think we're having a little bit of trouble getting Father Thomas Berg on the line here. So we want to talk about. It. I was going to tell you earlier that um, today, in addition to being the um, the feast of Saint Alphonsus Liguori, who we'll National be talking Soy about. Day. What? No. Did you just make that up? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, it is also day one of the Portuncula indulgence, which now is something that is extended to um, to any church so designated by the bishop. So you got to look this up. But um, this all based on the church, the Portuncula church in Assisi, the little portion church, you know? Okay. That the Saint church Francis in a church. Assisi built. Oh my gosh! I, see, I thought you were going to spend this time talking about the feasts of August, and we can get into that here in just a little bit. There's some epic oh, ones through the month of August. Of you course, have. August dedicated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Yep, all kinds of good stuff to talk about. But anyway, it's 38 minutes past the hour now. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Thomas Berg. He's author of a couple of books from our Sunday Visitor, Choosing Forgiveness and Hurting in the Church. Father, welcome back to the show. Good morning, Annie. Good to be with you. It is good to have you. The Committee on Child and Youth Protection recently released its annual report, Findings and Recommendations on the Implementation of the Charter for the protection of children and young people. And I'm very glad that you're here with us to give us your thoughts, given all of your work with survivors 
of sexual abuse. What were some of the main takeaways from from this year's report from your perspective? Right. Yeah, this is, uh, like you said, it's an annual report. Um, the, the Committee on Child and Youth Protection is a subcommittee within the USCCB, and then they report every year. And they what they report on is an annual independent audit of the dioceses and the eparchies in the U.S. to see if they're in compliance with current church law on norms uh, regarding the protection of minors, and they release this every year. So um, kind of in a nutshell, you know, the the takeaway is that um, this year's report reflects a decrease in um, allegations of abuse. So every year um, there's, you know, kind of a startling number of uh, uh, allegations that are, are brought forward. Um, one of the important takeaways I think that the bishops would want to underline is that um Generally speaking, new allegations regarding minors, say, in a period, say, since the year 2000, um, are at this point uh, rare. So, for example, this year, uh, allegations involving current minors were um, 16 out of um, a couple thousand allegations that were surfaced um, that go back for years and years. Um Last year, it was uh, in a period between 20, uh, 2022 and 2000, it was 22 allegations um, involving, you know, recurrent minors. Um, so on the one hand, you, you, we want to say, well, yes, it, it is uh, rare. Yeah. And, and I was going to say, thank God for that, that it's rare, but it's not zero. And, yeah, that's and we exactly can't be content with that. Right. Um, certainly the church has done a, a tremendous amount of work um, in the, since 2002 uh, to, to create safe environments for children. And it's, it's, um, it has made, you know, for, uh, to cause harm, it's, it's made it very, very difficult. Um, but the potential is not completely eliminated. And, uh, you know, so it's not like, you know, there's some acceptable threshold, you know, that we can quote unquote tolerate um, of cases, you know, every, every year. So this is, uh, has to be a constant area of concern and focus and, and work. So even one credible allegation of abuse uh, a year is, you know, it's one allegation too many. Yeah, absolutely. And, can you talk about the language in here? There's a, a line that says uh, the decrease in allegations. It says this decrease is due in large part to the resolution of allegations received. And it goes on from there. What what does that mean? I, I frankly wish in a document like this there would be different language used or, um, or that <laughs> – within the church bishops and and other leaders and those involved in this might um perhaps think about this in a different way so resolution of allegations in this context typically means by one one form or another there's a monetary um, settlement there's monetary compensation given to a victim whether that's resulting from a lawsuit or a compensation program or a uh, bankruptcy um or settling out of court or so but but what we have to remember is that you know a monetary 
compensation to a victim really it 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 for many victims it resolves very little um yeah. uh, so the the idea of, the, of that the allegations are resolved uh we have to be careful about you know the fact is um there's there's a lot more damage that that remains um if you just take one you know any one any given case right and you you have to look at the ripple effect you know the the kind of the impact crater um you know the dead center of course there's the victim but then there's the victim family there's other victims there's other persons who know the priest perpetrator there's persons related um to the victim there's parishioners there's uh, parishioners who know the victim parishioners who know the priest there's persons who maybe were not um uh, maybe they were not submitted to actual sexual abuse but they suffered grooming from this priest so there's you know there's there's just uh, kind of concentric circles of harm um not to mention you know uh, still the psychological um after effects that a lot of times the monetary settlement is there to pay for therapy or, or whatever but there's so much more that's happening in the lives of victims so we can't think that just because a check is cut that um now the this you know the this is quote unquote settled or it's or it's resolved um to be honest you know the church is is still very far from really adequately dealing with the wounds that that remain and 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 the aftermath of abuse and i also just have to say for you know for listeners um i know we're, we're all fatigued uh by you know by this news and by bringing up this topic periodically but i think we do owe it to survivors of of abuse not to give into the temptation to just want to keep this kind of news um at arm's length you know we 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 owe it to them to continue to kind of see what okay what's the status where where are we at uh in this ongoing you know crisis that we have to deal with father can i ask why aren't there more priests like you um who who actually try to to get i <laughs> who who actually try to reach out to these victims and and enter into the suffering with them maybe i'm speaking out of turn maybe there are a lot of you out there um but but i just don't hear this from many other priests out there well i i would like to to think um i very honestly i mean this is an ongoing thing i i still have a, i i learn i try to learn from survivors of of abuse they are the experts in what's going on in their lives um i do happen to know there's there's i think a good number of priests out there who are you know trying to do this um but the reality is it's messy and um it's uh you know it it can be daunting um and it 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 does take some kind of experience and and even you know kind of training and formation one thing we're actually trying to do now in seminary formation is to really introduce uh what today is called trauma informed pastoral care so um so in other words not just specifically in ministering to survivors of clergy sexual abuse but um in a world where you know one in four one in five individuals experience some kind of sexual abuse or yeah. even at least harassment in their lives we have to be ready to do that so we need tools and we need 
training and preparation and how do you, how do you accompany, how do you engage, how do you minister to persons who are dealing with trauma? So uh, unfortunately, a sad reality of our culture is that trauma, Trauma's psychological everywhere. trauma, emotional trauma, is, it's all too common yeah. um, and we need to be so I think sometimes priests just feel they're very inadequate to do this. And um, I just encourage my brothers to, you know, to kind of confront that. And if we need to get our hands on some training and preparations, you know, to do that. We're talking to Father Thomas Berg, author of Choosing Forgiveness. Father, stay on the line here because I've got some uh, more questions to ask concerning this report from the Committee on Child Protection that was just recently released in the past couple of weeks. Hope you can stay with us here on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 12 till. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. EWTN is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. If your cable or satellite provider doesn't carry EWTN's full programming lineup, give them a call and let them know you would like to receive EWTN 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. For more information, go to EWTN.com and click on Television. morning show continues with Father Thomas Berg, author of Choosing Forgiveness and Hurting in the Church, both from our Sunday visitor. And Father, we're talking about a rather tricky issue this time around. Can you tell us about this term, vulnerable adults, and the debate over who all would be included in that? Sure. Yeah, it's a complicated issue. I'll try to do it in a, put it in a nutshell. Um, so, very recently, you know, in light of the abuse crisis, the church has been turning attention more and more to um, the reality of uh, persons, often women, who um, as adults uh, have been um, sexually abused by a cleric. So um, that introduces uh, the question of... Um, a very, very sticky question of is this uh, the relationship, is it a, something of a consensual nature 
Could there be consent, uh, et cetera, et cetera? So we're, we've, we, and certainly this came much more into the fore with the Me Too movement, where a lot of sure. these very valid questions, you know, came came uh, to the surface. Um, so, so where once upon a time, um, kind of in in canon law, these cases were often sort of presumed to be consensual. Now there's, I think, a very healthy and much needed reflection on, on uh, the reality that oftentimes these are not consensual. And, um, and there we enter into the complexities of the dynamics of what happens when um, a priest, for example, who has kind of, um, you know, there's this power differential that exists, um, the priest as a spiritual advisor, um, kind of a, a spiritual authority in a person's life, uh, who takes advantage of someone who's in a vulnerable situation, maybe a woman who's going through a terrible divorce and so on and so forth and has other, um, maybe other emotional vulnerabilities. And a predator can, in a way, just as um, a cleric predator could groom uh, a child, well, there's a similar process that happens with adults. And um, it so the church is grappling for a kind of a, uh, a concept to, or a name to put on that. Now, vulnerable adult is a category that has existed in canon law. It's normally been defined very narrowly to mean someone who typically does not have the use of reason um, or imperfect use of reason. Uh, recently, canon law has uh, moved, or church law has moved in the direction of um, uh, broadening that to, to some extent um, any person in a state of infirmity, physical or mental deficiency, or deprivation of personal liberty, which in fact even occasionally limits their ability to understand. That's from the um, uh, Vos Estis Lux Mundi, which was promulgated by Pope Francis um, in May of 2019, um, which deals with uh, the d discipline of bishops who have mishandled abuse allegations. But within that, you have this kind of broader definition of vulnerable adults. So the point is, um, there's still a lot of disagreement about what that means. There's hope that um, within the church, we could settle on one definition um, that is broader, and I think that reflects the, the complexities of what happens uh, when someone who is in that situation of, uh, you know, a power differential and exercises uh, and abuses that authority over uh, an adult who is vulnerable, um, we need a definition in church law that, that recognizes that. Because there can be a lot of spiritual abuse that that happens, right? Even if Even if there's not something sexual in nature necessarily happening, that 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 power, uh, spiritual authority that that a priest has for us who are um, you know devout Catholics and and look to priests for spiritual guidance that can easily be abused. I'm I'm so glad you you brought that up because we do rightly focus on sexual abuse, um, sexual assault, um, but there are other kinds of abuse and certainly and sadly within within the church. Um, and, you know, especially it's come to light very often in recent years, whether it's within um, congregations of religious women, um, religious orders, um, movements within the church, there's that potential for spiritual abuse. And that's a whole nother area that yeah. the church needs to put a lot of attention on. 
we're going to have to continue that conversation at another time, Father, uh, when we get back together Happy to. here on the morning show. Just really appreciate your thoughts on all of this and your honesty and your clarity on it. And uh, we've got choosing forgiveness and hurting in the church linked at Sunrise Morning Show. Dot com. Encourage listeners to pick up a copy of each of your books. Father Thomas Berg, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Annie. Yeah, you bet, Father. I mean, Matt, these are not obviously very easy conversations to have, but I think these are things that really need to be on our radar um, because this, whether it's one million or one person being abused, it's too many. Well, I think there can be a tendency, and it's it's born out of a, a desire to to protect the church, right? To stand right. up for our faith, exactly. Uh, to say, oh well, there's abuse going on in all these other places. Why are we focusing on this? Well, because this is the most important thing in the world, yeah. right? Our faith, and it hurts worse, right? The, the amount of damage. If your gymnastic coach does that to you and you give up gymnastics, that's one thing. If it happens to you in the context of the church and you give up God, yeah, that's, that's worse A as far worse. as I'm concerned. A lot so worse. So we need to fight, fight, fight for reforms and make sure that everybody is safe. we got another full hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up in a little bit. It's 3 Till. Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith when Philip Campbell will discuss his new book, The Story of Mary. Alamigliorado will give us the Adventure Catholic Parenting Tip this week. I'll reflect on the life of St. Alphonsus Liguori, the frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Being prepared is everything, right? Does your family know your wishes for your final resting place? Gate of Heaven Cemetery, Archdiocese of Cincinnati's pre-planning family services advisors will assist you and your family with your advanced planning by helping you make decisions calmly and with a clear mind. Attend an upcoming pre-planning seminar at Gate of Heaven Cemetery so you can rest with peace of mind. 513-489-0300. 513-489-0300. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirmed. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated, stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozart Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait at brozartpharmacy.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. What makes this marriage prep program unique is you will have two days as a couple to delve into important subjects that will affect your relationship together for the rest of your lives. 
more time for prayer and reconciliation, and closing the weekend with Mass. More information is at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. Proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, Cincinnati Right to Life ensures that God-given rights are guaranteed for all simply by being human, regardless of age or stage, ability or disability. More information at 1-800-712-HELP. This is Father Michael Mary Dosh from St. Gertrude in Madeira. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. We continue on this month, or I'm sorry, this Tuesday, I'm so very sorry. This Tuesday, August the 1st, the Feast of St. Alphonsus Liguori, praying together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Open our eyes, O Lord, to the light of your love. You have called all people to holiness. Make us holy in your sight. You have sent us teachers to lead us in your way. Make us wise in following their teaching. You are our way, our truth, our life. Make us courageous disciples. Lord our God, you called St. Alphonsus Liguori to serve your church by pointing to the ways of holiness and by leading others into your service through the congregation of the Most Holy Redeemer, which he founded. Send us always wise and holy teachers and guide us by their light. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Alphonsus Liguori, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim. Happy Feast Day to the folks over at Liguori Publications. They put out a couple of things that I've worked on. Most importantly, they put out some stuff that my wife has worked on. Her Teenage Saint books were put out by them. So, happy Feast Day to all of y'all. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Ackman at the controls. Chris Faddis will be along from Solidarity HealthShare this morning. Dr. Matthew Bunsen will have a lot more to say about St. Alphonsus. He's a doctor of the church, after all. Steve Ray will look at Genesis, and uh, he's actually got a new book about the book of Genesis, and we'll touch on that a little bit. Then Chris McGregor on the Office of Readings uh, selection she's doing today. It's uh, from a uh, letter from St. Ignatius to St. Polycarp, so that's pretty cool. We're talking early, early Christian texts. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Tens of thousands of young people are descending on Lisbon, Portugal, with World Youth Day kicking off today. The event will run through August 6th this weekend. And the theme for 2023 is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 39. Mary arose and went with haste. Pope Francis will be traveling to Portugal tomorrow to join the pilgrims. His prayer intention for this new month of August is that World Youth Day in Lisbon will help young people to live and witness the gospel in their own lives. Ukraine will be observing Christmas on December 25th starting this year. From Vatican Radio, Stefan Boss reports. Amid the setbacks, Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky 
visited Ukrainian troops in advanced positions near the eastern Bakhmut frontline on Saturday. Earlier, he visited a damaged cathedral and medical center in Odessa following Russian strikes there. He also found time to sign into law that moves the official Christmas Day state holiday from January 7th to December 25th to protest Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Kiev says that for centuries, first Imperial Russia and then the Moscow-dominated Soviet Union had tried to control Ukraine. This included the imposed authority of the Russian Orthodox Church over Ukraine's churches. For Vatican Radio, I am Stefan Bos, reporting. In Washington, the U.S. House and Senate have now both approved their own versions of a must-pass defense spending bill. The Senate version does not include an amendment that was passed by the House, which would rescind the Defense Department's new policy, paying for service members to travel to obtain abortions. Texas Senator John Cornyn has said he would like that amendment to be part of the final bill. There will also be a debate over funding going toward medical interventions for service members identifying as transgender. All troops would get a 5% raise. That included in both versions. Indiana's near-total ban on abortion takes effect today. It prohibits all abortions in the Hoosier states, with some exceptions within a certain time frame in the cases of rape, incest, fetal abnormalities, or when the mother's life is deemed to be at risk. Indiana was the first state to pass new abortion restrictions after Roe v. Wade was overturned last summer, but the ban was blocked by a judge initially. It is able to take effect now because of an Indiana Supreme Court ruling last month determining the ban does not violate Indiana's constitution. More high temperatures are in store across the southern U.S. this week. Tens of millions of Americans remain under heat alerts. However, portions of the southwest are seeing the heat temporarily ease a bit. Phoenix, Arizona's record-long streak of 31 straight days at or above 110 degrees finally came to an end yesterday. More than half of U.S. adults say they live paycheck to paycheck. Mark Mayfield reports. A new report from Lending Club puts that number at 61%. It suggests that lower-income workers have been hit the hardest by price increases because food and other staples account for a bigger share of their household budgets. Among consumers earning less than $50,000 annually, roughly three-quarters were living paycheck to paycheck in June. This comes despite signs that inflation appears to be cooling. I'm Mark Mayfield. U.S. women's national soccer team is heading to the round of 16 at the Women's World Cup. The Americans played Portugal to a scoreless draw in their final group match in New Zealand, extending their World Cup technically unbeaten streak to 20 straight matches. The U.S. finishes second in Group E behind the Netherlands. Team USA will face the winner out of Group G, which will likely be Sweden early Sunday morning you know matt this whole thing going on in australia means could be really good news for soccer fans or really bad news for soccer fans depending on how early you wake up in the morning i think this game started at like 3 a.m eastern time had i realized i probably could have caught some of it before it was over but 3 a.m yeah you must be lonely i wake up at 3 45 
Did you not? I, I know you you can wake up a little later because you work from home, but I actually have to like. Yes, but I don't wake up a little bit later. I understand. You but know I how understand. it is, Anna Mitchell. You get in the habit of waking up at a certain time and then. And then you never sleep. Then stop. you got your day off and you're like. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I need to sleep. Yeah. See, I have some people have the gift. Absolutely no problem sleeping in. My children, my children don't allow this, but if they left me alone. I would totally sleep in until like nine or ten o'clock. No, I'm up. I'm up very, very early, all the time. <laughs> but you know, when it's those days that I don't have to be up, that's when I get some reading done. Mm-hmm. A little, little prayer, a little quiet mm-hmm. time. Yep. That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's when, if I need to, I can, you know, go play the video games without being bothered. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's arguing about controllers or what what game. Me. Not that we play video games that often, but still. I'm just saying, what video game? I can watch game? what I want to watch what because video Anna Mitchell. What video game are you trying to play? MLB The Show 23 and Mario Kart. Oh, of course. Maybe Katamari Damacy down the road. I don't know. I have no idea what that is. Don't worry about it. Okay. All I can say is that I don't watch the TV shows that I want to watch because I get last pick. <laughs> I get last pick. I don't remember the last time I watched something that People I like, Oh my watch. gosh, what did you think of Oppenheimer? I'm like, what? What did you, you think of Barbie? About? Like literally name any movie. Mission Impossible, Indiana Jones. I have no idea. I'm going to try to kids. go see Barbie. I'm going to try. Are you? Yeah. Because I think. I'm not, I'm not old enough to watch movies again yet. Yeah. I understand. I totally understand. Well, today is Tuesday, August the 1st, the Feast of St. Alphonsus Liguori. Pray for us. It's nine past. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Chris Faddis, co-founder and president of Solidarity Health Share and underwriter of the Sunrise Morning Show. Chris, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me again. Great to talk to you. It is great to talk to you as well. And we talk all the time with Bobby Schindler, especially on the morning show, about just how prevalent the assisted suicide movement, all of the traction that they have been gaining over the years internationally. But this is really gaining a lot of traction in the United States as well, don't you think? Yeah, it really is. I mean, more and more states are proposing laws. Not all of them are passing, which which I think shows that there are some reasonable folks out there who think we should we should be you know cautious about this, but it but it's gaining steam for sure. More and more people are voting towards this. Um, popular opinion has shifted, uh, and it's becoming a big issue and, and really an issue of big of concern, as, especially as we see what other countries where they're at in their arc on you know assisted suicide laws uh, and what's happening to people you know starting to do assisted suicide for mental illness now or or just being unhappy or, you know, those kind of things. So um, it's, it's a real concern and something that we need to, to raise our eyebrows to and really be praying about and, and getting active on. What's interesting is, you know, this op-ed in The Hill recently talked about the effect of the Americans with Disabilities Act on uh, these assisted suicide laws. And, and ultimately, um, it, it appears that it might render these laws unconstitutional because wow. the reality is that if you, in healthcare, if you give a different standard of care to someone because they have a different diagnosis or they have, you know, some sort of prognosis that is lesser than someone else, then you are therefore violating the Americans with Disabilities Act. And, wow. and so most of these laws would fall afoul of that. 
uh, which is, I, I guess, good news. I, I, it's something, honestly, I, I wasn't really aware of that that's an, uh, an avenue that we can pursue here. Well, certainly if uh, your condition is is perceived to be too expensive to cover, can you talk about that from from your perspective yeah. in, in health sharing as opposed to um, the insurance companies, for instance? Because, you know, Bobby Schindler talks about this a lot, that um, the cost of care can really be um, part of the issue here and, and part of why this assisted suicide movement is gaining so much traction um, from a more popular standpoint because you're perceived as being more expensive if you have a terminal sure, condition. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, not only is it it's more expensive, I think people think of the idea of um, the, if your quality of life is lesser than someone else's, then, then why would we do this, you know, that kind of thing. And but Which is, you know, I think probably coming from a place of, of someone's kind of misguided caring for you, but at the same time, you know, it really is discriminatory to say, well, because your quality of life is lesser than what we deem appropriate, you're not worth saving. That's that's discriminatory, right? But but I think, you know, ultimately with the when the when it comes to the payers, health health insurance companies, Medicare, whatever, you know, we've already seen that these laws could impact people's care. And and that happened not long ago. I wanna say it was two thousand seventeen when uh, shortly after California enacted their their uh, death whatever, assisted suicide law, that an insurance company denied a patient chemotherapy saying that because it would not prolong their life more than six months, they were denying it. But to, but also, as the footnote said, we do want to let you know that we would pay for the, the physician-assisted suicide <sighs> procedure if you choose to. And, you know, and I, and I don't know, I, I'm, that hasn't happened a lot. There's, there's been a few handful of cases that we've seen. It's definitely happened. I think the insurance companies have realized how icky that is and, and maybe haven't quite gone that far. But wow. that's the slope we're on. You know, that, that's where we're headed. Well, I would liken it to, um, you know, I, I looked at at pregnancy care, for instance, and how expensive it is for a couple to have a baby. But you can get contraception fully covered under most insurance plans, and, and some even will fund your abortion. I mean, when, right. you, when you start looking at it from a, a cost-benefit analysis, um, it's a lot cheaper to go against Catholic teaching. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, you think about, you know, a lot of health plans, you know, especially before Obamacare, but even today, I mean, you have to add a rider for, for maternity, you know, onto, your, yeah. onto your, your deal because they just assume that's going to be an added cost, right? And, you know, that that is something that is, you know, really, you have to be mindful of it. These things you know, will affect both the, the level of care they can receive, but also will will insurance companies be able to, ter- you know, determine that someone's not fit for something and then say, you know, hey, by the way, we'll give you this instead. And, and what kind of pressure does that put on the patient, right? If, mm-hmm. if you're the patient who has ALS or some terminal cancer or Alzheimer's or whatever it might be, and you're, you feel as though you were a burden on your family already. That's just natural. You're going to feel that way if people are caring for you. And then someone says, hey, by the way, we we don't really think it's worth paying for this anymore. We'll give you this. I mean, what kind of pressure does that put on the individual to, to decide, you know what, I, I'm just going to get out of my family's way. This is too much, you know, and, and I'll just go ahead and do this. And that is not compassion and, and dignified care, which is what they want to call it now. Uh, it's the complete opposite of that. Well, what is your perspective on it from a Solidarity HealthShare's perspective on this? 
Well, you know, I, I, we of course certainly would never would never uh, participate, but but also, you know, for us, we see the importance of the patient choice in in receiving care. I mean, we've certainly seen members who are terminally ill, and and to a point of most, you know, medical conventions would say treatment. You know, most treatments aren't going to work anymore, but they still want to fight. You know, they still they still want to try to save their life, and so they want to get more treatment and they want to do other things and. And we absolutely support that. We think patients who want to fight for their life and do, do heroics to fight for their life, they should, uh, and we want to support that. Um, and so we've, we've been able to, to do that and, and you know, encourage them, and sometimes they find a new doctor or a new treatment. And we have certainly seen people recover, people do well. We've also seen people realize, hey, I don't want to go through these treatments anymore. I'm just going to let my life end naturally as it does. And then you can surround them with really great hospice care and palliative care and counseling for the family and watch as the beauty unfolds as they as their life ends naturally yep naturally being the (laughs) operative word there we've been talking to chris faddis and chris if listeners want to check out what solidarity health share is all about how do they get more information yeah please visit us at solidarityhealthshare.org solidarityhealthshare.org and then call us too at 844-488-1820 844-488-1820 and our team will be happy to talk to you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chris Fattis. You can find Solidarity linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Headlines coming up next. It's 16 past here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. Why do we need to pray? We don't pray because God needs our prayers. We pray because we need God's grace. And every day when I face the day, I realize I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) And I need God to walk me through my day, step by step, giving me the grace, the counsel, the love, the encouragement that enables me to glorify Him in everything that I do and become the person He wants me to be. Prayer is my lifeline. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Tens of thousands of young people are descending on Lisbon, Portugal today with World Youth Day kicking off and running through this weekend. 
Pope Francis paid a visit to the Basilica of St. Mary Major to entrust his pilgrimage to Portugal to Our Lady. And Ukraine will now be observing Christmas on December 25th. Next newscast coming about 11 minutes from now. Anna Mitchell, you're getting ready to, to talk with Dr. Matthew Bunsen about St. Alphonsus Liguri, mm-hmm. uh, one of the great saints that kicks off the month of August. But my goodness, there are some extraordinary saints through the course of the month. Uh, you've got John Vianney coming up on the 4th. Mm-hmm. you got the Transfiguration on the 6th. Mm-hmm. You got a big string just like right in a row where you've got on the 9th, St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, followed by St. Lawrence on the 10th, you followed by St. Claire on the 11th. You forgot St. Dominic on the 8th. St. Dominic on the 8th. You got Maximilian Kolbe on the 14th. Mm-hmm. And then the very next day, you've got the Assumption of Mary, followed by St. Stephen of Hungary. St. Helena on the 18th. And then St. John Eudes, and then St. Bernard of Clairvaux on the 19th and 20th. And the 21st is Pope Pius the 10th. Then the queenship of Mary, because it takes one week for her to be crowned in heaven after she's assumed there. That's the 22nd. Then the 23rd <laughs> is St. Rose of Lima, followed by the Feast of St. Bartholomew on the 24th, and Louis the Ninth on the 25th, and Monica on the 27th, and Augustine on the 28th. An, so if you're planning feast day parties... You got a lot of them to plan this month. August has options. August has options. you're going to be a party animal all month long. Just party every day. There's some good ones that you didn't even mention that are good. I mean, I gave you the I gave you the speed run. Mm-hmm. There are plenty more. We'll cover as many of them as we can. All you holy men and women, pray, pray for, for us. us. It's twenty one past. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith when Philip Campbell will discuss his new book, The Story of Mary. Alan Migliorato will give us the Adventure Catholic Parenting Tip this week. I'll reflect on the life of St. Alphonsus Liguori, plus frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to praise the King. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. For Catholics, being united with God for eternity is the goal of earthly life. A Catholic cemetery is sacred because it holds our bodies, once temples of the Holy Spirit, until the Lord comes again. The Archdiocese of Cincinnati has consecrated Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery to provide this ministry and remind us that life is not ended, but changed. Today, you can ensure that you and your loved ones are interred in accordance with your faith. Call 513-489-0300 or visit gateofheaven.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers, doctors David and Michael Rothen, have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The twin dental doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. All are precious in God's sight, no matter our age, race, ability, or residence. Yet many lives are threatened, especially in the womb. Cincinnati Right to Life works to protect the good gift of life at every age and every stage. For more information, go to CincinnatiRightToLife.org. 
Matthew Bunsen is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Vice President and Editorial Director for EWTN News, creator of the Doctors of the Church series on EWTN. Good morning, Dr. Bunsen. Good morning. Great to be with you. It's great to have you. And August 1st is the Feast of St. Alphonsus Liguori, a priest and doctor of the church. Can you start off by giving us a sense of just how smart he was? <laughs> it's almost impossible to, to uh, give a sense of how smart he was because this is somebody who was a fully uh, fledged lawyer by the age of the 16. Wow. Uh, in fact, the joke was that uh, when he graduated from uh, what was then the kind of Academy for Laws, that uh, he was a small kid, uh, again, 16 years old, so he was literally swimming uh, in his uh, doctoral robes as a lawyer, and everyone started laughing because <laughs> it was just so odd-looking. That gives you an idea uh, of the level of achievement. I mean, people graduated early back then, but uh, 16 was highly unusual. In fact, they had to set aside laws for him to graduate. And he eventually felt the call to the priesthood and early in his priesthood devoted his ministry to, shall we call them, unsavory people in Naples, where he was from. How did he minister to them? And did he see any success in that population? Uh, he did. I mean, one of the things that uh, becomes clear is that there are poor everywhere. But even among the poor, there are those that are more abandoned, more forgotten. Uh, especially the, the the street children of Naples, and one of the ways that he did it, of course, was to focus on the Blessed Mother, and it was uh, in his care for especially the earthquake victims. Uh, I think in 1731, that uh, he had a, a vision of the Blessed Mother, who appeared to him as a young girl. That's significant because it was a, those kinds of decisive moments in his life. Uh, in which uh, he was impelled to go on to form the Congregation of the Most Holy Redeemer, the Redemptorists, but also to shape so much of his life. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Uh, can you dive a little bit deeper into what inspired him to found the Redemptorist Order? Well, the, the, the thing that's interesting about the Redemptorists is that uh, he was encouraged to do so uh, by Sister Maria Celeste Crostorosa, uh, that she herself had had a vision uh, that uh, he was supposed to be the one to help found uh, a congregation with what the task of, of preaching, of being a missionary, but especially being a missionary in the places where Catholics don't like to go, uh, to teach uh, in the worst parts of cities, and uh, to bring clarity uh, against the rigorists of Jansenism at the time in terms of moral philosophy and theology. Uh, and uh, to help bring uh, God's loving mercy uh, to parts of the world where there is none. Well, he was, of course, a great and prolific writer. I mean, he has an entire publishing company named after him. How would you describe Alphonsus Liguori's spirituality? I would say that uh, for him, uh, we begin, of course, with his moral theology, uh, his greatest masterpiece, uh, the, the book that we know him best for is the called Moral Theology. And uh, the book itself was uh, given full approval by the Holy Father at the time and really helped establish uh, him as one of the great doctors of moral theology. Now, that's significant because he really tries to strike that balance between excessive rigorism and excessive laxism, being too loose. But we tie that uh, to his great devotion to the Blessed Mother, 
to his development, for example, uh, of a prayer life for all of us with focus on what? The cross, on salvation, on the incarnation, on the Eucharist, and, of course, on the martyrs. So it's what he's trying to strive for, I think, is a totality of life that is rooted in the virtues, that helps us to make prudent decisions uh, in our moral lives, but that always anchors us in looking at the Blessed Mother and, of course, the sacraments. Yeah, I wanted to talk about his devotion to the Eucharist, and he was a great proponent of adoration. He was, and uh, we can see in that, uh, again, that anchor spiritually, uh, that we can do nothing uh, without our love of Jesus Christ, and we find in the Eucharist the strength. Uh, We deepen our prayer life by adoration, but also consider that there's a profound connection between the Eucharist and discernment in how we make moral decisions. In other words, how we form our consciences. And the conscience itself, we keep coming back to Alphonse's moral teachings, his moral theology, that discernment uh, has to be rooted in something in how we form our consciences. And that, of course, uh, begins again with the Eucharist and with the sacraments. And I want to go back now to our Blessed Mother. He, of course, had great devotion to her, as you've been talking about, and wrote a book called The Glories of Mary. He did. And this is uh, one of those little books that was written at a time when there were a lot of criticisms, a lot of distaste uh, for Marian devotions, in particular on the part of the Jansenists, again, these uh, these rigorists uh, in the area of moral theology. And what he took was a series of uh, quotes and citations of devotion to the Blessed Mother, as well as the great spiritual masters of the Church, and added his own perspectives on our love for the Blessed Mother and uh, Marian prayers and, and other devotions. And he focuses especially on the Salve Regina, uh, the Hail Holy Queen, and helps us to deepen our own understanding then of the Blessed Mother, and the the focus as well of other saints again, such as St. Bonaventure. Mm. Always love talking about the saints with you, Dr. Bunsen. You can find the Doctors of the Church series linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Bunsen, as always, thank you so much. Great to be with you. Take care. It was great to have you. Thank you once again. And you can find all of our guests linked in the show notes for today at sonrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Tens of thousands of young people are heading to Lisbon, Portugal today as World Youth Day is kicking off. The event runs from August 1st through the 6th under the theme from Luke 139, Mary arose and went with haste. Pope Francis will be traveling to Portugal tomorrow to join up with the pilgrims, as is his custom. The Holy Father paid a visit to the Basilica of St. Mary Major to entrust his pilgrimage to Our Lady. This will be his fourth World Youth Day as Pope. His prayer intention for this new month of August, meanwhile, is that World Youth Day in Lisbon will help young people to live and witness the gospel in their own lives. The prefect for the Dicastery for Integral Human Development spoke yesterday at the International Congress on the Care of Creation, which was held 
in Lisbon taking place just ahead of World Youth Day. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. Cardinal Michael Cherney, prefect of the Dicastery for Promoting Integral Human Development, gave an address entitled The Theological Significance of Integral Ecology that's at the service of every person, particularly the most vulnerable. Cardinal Cherney first looked at the new geological epoch of today, which has brought about what he called a staggering turning point in the history of our planet, where human beings have significantly altered all planetary systems, the atmosphere, oceans, continents, and ecosystems. Cardinal Cherney pointed out that the focal point of Pope Francis' encyclical on the care of our common home, Laudato Si, tells us simply and forcefully that humanity has to change and even more so to convert. And the Pope also examines the role of the new generations in the encyclical, recalling that young people demand change. They wonder how anyone can claim to be building a better future without thinking of the environmental crisis and the sufferings of the excluded. Cardinal Cherney also offered some concrete actions to authentically promote an integral ecology, and the main objective is to achieve through a sustainable transition the goal of zero emissions by the middle of this century. He notes that there must be a rapid transition from a fossil fuel economy to a clean energy economy. And to achieve this goal, he explained that one must stop deforestation, especially in watersheds of global importance like the Amazon and the Congo. He said one must protect ocean shorelines from erosion and protect biodiversity and halt ecosystem degradation. To promote an integral ecology, Cardinal Trinifani pointed out to a guide we all have, a role model often mentioned by Pope Francis, and that's St. Francis, who's the excellence of care for the vulnerable and of an integral ecology lived out joyfully and authentically. The Saint of Assisi, he says, shows us how inseparable the bond is between concern for nature justice for the poor, and commitment to society and interior peace. I that is Jones. The U.S. House and Senate have now both approved their own versions of a must-pass defense spending bill. The Senate version does not include an amendment that was passed by the House, which would rescind the Defense Department's new policy to pay for service members to travel to obtain abortions. Texas Senator John Cornyn says he'd like to see that amendment be part of the final bill that would head to the president's desk. There will also be a debate over funding going toward medical interventions for service members identifying as transgender. One point of agreement, though, between these two versions, all troops would get a 5% raise. Ukraine will be observing Christmas on December 25th. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky signed a law on Friday that moves the official holiday to December 25th from January 7th, which is the day the Russian Orthodox Church celebrates Christmas. Attached to the law was an explanation saying the goal was to abandon the Russian heritage, citing Ukrainians' relentless, successful struggle for their identity. The mayor of New York City is asking for federal help dealing with an overflow of migrants. Trey Thomas reports. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is again asking for federal help after migrants were forced to sleep on sidewalks and in cardboard boxes in Manhattan. We need help and it's not going to get any better. From this moment on, it's downhill. There is no more room. Adams is assuring New Yorkers that there will not be tents with migrants all over the city, but that they need federal assistance. I'm Trey Thomas. That's the news. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN Radio. It's 35 past the hour. Put your money where your heart is. 
Do business with someone who shares your faith and values from Sacred Heart Radio's Angels List of Underwriters. And don't forget to tell them where you found out about them. Go to sacredheartradio.com and click Angels List. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air, treating customers with integrity for over 90 years for heating, air conditioning, water heaters, plumbing, and more. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com. SKPHA.com. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at FortMitchellGarage.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors, trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoting.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. Alphonsus Liguri, Tuesday, August the 1st. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to be a really nice day today. Right now, it's kind of cool with temperatures in the upper 50s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, mostly sunny skies, low humidity, and a high of 84 degrees today. A few clouds tonight and pleasant with an overnight low of 63, partly cloudy and a little warmer tomorrow with a high of 86 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, sunny with a few afternoon clouds and a high of 85 today. A few clouds tonight with an overnight low near 60, a mix of clouds and sun tomorrow and a high near 86 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Steve Ray, and you know him for many things, perhaps his pilgrimages, his footprints of God work, uh, maybe crossing the Tiber and some other stuff. He's got a book called Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary uh, that we're going to be touching on in a few different ways through the course of our conversations with him. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Uh, it's always good to be with you. Tomorrow afternoon, we leave for Poland with a big group of pilgrimages, and I'll be talking to you next Tuesday from Poland. Pretty cool. Well, I'm going to ask you a trick question since we're talking about beginnings in the Bible. Uh, the trick question oh, okay. is this, Steve. Which book begins with the phrase, in the beginning? Well, there's three of them. So which one do you want to talk about? <laughs> See, that's why it's a trick Actually, question, right? Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a good question. So Genesis begins the whole beginning of everything, everything, everything. The Bible begins with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But then John chapter 1, it bounces off of that. And it's, I think, referring to Genesis. And John is telling you, if you don't understand the first book that begins within the beginning, you won't understand mine. Because in John, it begins with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and then tells how the Word created the world. And then in First John chapter 1, verse 1, it talks about the beginning, how John recognized Jesus, who was, he came in the beginning, all of his eternal power, everything. They saw it, they touched it, they experienced it. So those are the three books that begin that way. Begin is coming up. I mean, there ought to be like a little buzzer that goes off every time we say it, even in the conversation of trying to explain it. Uh, so those are all the <clears throat> beginnings that uh, begin books of the Bible. 
But what's interesting about that first one in Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God was already there at the beginning. So what was happening before the beginning? Well, I like to ask people that. If there was a beginning, what was before the beginning? And I'm convinced, and church is always taught in Scripture as well, that before the beginning, there was an artist, a great creator, who decided to make something, and he is a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the way I see them is that all through eternity, they had there's never a beginning. They just are. He says, I am that I am, meaning I am existence. I am what exists. I am going to now create something outside of myself, and it's going to be the universe. But the reason he did it, Matt, and I'm quite convinced, and paragraph 221 of the paragraph agrees with me, or I agree with the paragraph, uh, I, the catechism, I should say, is like the whole the Trinity had so much fun together. They loved each other so much. They had such a good time together. It just bubbled over, and they said, we should make creatures in our image so they can share all of this fun and joy and love that we're having together. And so God created the heavens and the earth, and he created man and woman in his image so they, by free will, could share and enjoy everything that he had in heaven all the joy and the love together so that he put them in a garden and he walked with them in the cool of the day to have a relationship with them and i'm convinced that's why god created all of this he didn't create us to beat us down and, and punish us for things. he created us because he wanted someone to share and all the good fun that the trinity was having right not even creating us because he's lonely because there's perfect unity in the trinity it's yes. just that that overflows into creation you know this is a uh, Gosh, there's a lot of interesting stuff that we could we could cover here. Uh, but a few years ago, Pope Francis said something, and he was talking about uh, he, he was saying something against Gnosticism um, and against some uh, some various ways of misunderstanding God. And he said something about how God was not a demiurge. And there were some people who didn't know what in the world he was talking about, and so they did it in Google Translate, and demiurge came out as creator. So they there were all these headlines that said. Pope Francis says God is not the creator. <laughs> well, what he was referring to as a demiurge is uh, this idea that that um, exists in certain Gnostic and like Platonic schools of philosophy that there's this demiurge, right, God, who takes all the stuff around him and uses it to build stuff. In fact, yep. God doesn't use stuff to make stuff. He makes stuff out of absolutely nothing, and that's an important distinction, right? It really is, because uh, the church says it's ex nihilo. That's Latin for out of nothing. So there was nothing, just God himself, and he was in a, He was existence. And then at a certain point in time, the word is bara in, Greek, in Hebrew, and it means to create. And that word bara is only used of God in the Bible. It is the creation of something out of nothing that only God could do. Then there's another word for make, or fashion, which is yesar. Then once God made the universe, then with bara, then he yesar. He begins to fashion from the existing material things, like he took the dirt from the ground and he fashioned it into a man. So, oh, but God is, that um, the whole thing with Gnosticism you're talking about is a general idea is that spirit is good and matter is evil. So God could have never created 
matter because that's evil. But the fact is that God, when he got done creating matter and the whole project was completed and he ceased from his labors on the seventh day, he said, it is very, very good. He liked what he created. God created it all, bara, out of nothing, and then he fashioned the rest of it, yesar, to create the things, the details, like a hummingbird or a tree or mankind. Yeah, and so that helps make a whole lot more sense about what Pope Francis was saying about God doesn't just oh, show yeah. up and say, oh, here's all this stuff. Maybe I should make something out of it. No, there is yeah, no stuff. Exactly. There is no stuff, as Pope Francis right. was pointing out, until he does the things to make the stuff. But, you know, this is interesting for so many reasons, uh, Steve, because one of the things that God creates uh, that – you know, comes into being when all the stuff comes to being is time, <laughs> right? Because before right. God makes time, there isn't any time. So even to say what was God doing in that time before he created is only using language that refers to stuff that was made by God at a certain point. Right. The, the way I describe it, especially when I'm, I'm talking about the Eucharist, is that God is in existence, and what he does is he creates a bubble. I don't. I'm not a physicist, a theologian, but he. The way I view it in my mind helps me understand. It. He creates a bubble, and inside that bubble is the universe, and inside that bubble is space and time. You have to travel from one end of the bubble to the other, and it takes time to get there. And we, time is such a mystery as well. Einstein uh, struggled with that as well to figure all this out. But time and space are in that bubble. But God is outside of the bubble. He's not stuck in time and space. So to say that God was there before the beginning. Beginning. It, it, we're using human terms that we understand within the bubble, but it's hard to understand God outside of that in eternity where there is no beginning and no end. And when we say that the that Jesus, the Son, is begotten of the Father before all ages, it doesn't mean that one day God said, I'm going to have a son. What God, it means is that from, from the very beginning, all three were always there. There was never a time when they weren't. And again, when you we say this stuff, you know, some might might say, "Well, this is a this is a deep subject for you all to get into and and talk about on a you know a weekday morning." We say this stuff in the creed every time we gather, right? Exactly. Uh, we, we, exactly. We, this is all built into uh, the Nicene Creed, and a bunch of it's built into the Apostles' Creed, right? This idea of what God makes and how God makes it, and how He is beyond, and how we are part of something that exists uh, in time because of His eternity. And he holds us all in existence. It's like we stand in front of a mirror. As soon as I step away from the mirror, my image is gone. If God were to ever withdraw his power to keep us in existence, we're here today because he keeps us in existence. If we, he ever stepped aside from the mirror, the, what, what's here would be gone. It, it's God is outside of space and time and the world he holds it in his hands and you know when we get to the book of revelation it's really interesting because he, that uh, jesus said to the church of laodicea write the words of the amen the faithful and true witness the beginning of god's creation that's jesus christ he, you know you see the trinity at the very beginning because it says god created the heavens and the earth and he spoke and said let there be light." him speaking that's his word his word created and in the beginning was the word that's jesus and the spirit 
is hovering over the water. So there in the first verses of Genesis, you see the Trinity. God the Father speaks, the Son creates, the Holy Spirit fashions as he's hovering over the water. And it says in Hebrews that he appointed Jesus as heir of all things through whom he created the world. And Colossians says he is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead. So Jesus is both the beginning and the end. That's how the book of Revelation refers to him. He is the beginning and the end. He started it all. And history is not cyclical. It's not like it just is going to keep going on and on forever. Matter is eternal. It is not that. History is his story. You can divide that word into two words, his story. And it has a beginning and it has an end, and God is there with both ends in his hands. Pretty uh, deep stuff, but uh, there's a there's a lot deeper that we're going to go as we continue through Genesis and some of the other things that you pointed out. I encourage people to go check out your book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary from Ignatius Press. Also, CatholicConvert.com, linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Steve, thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. We're back with Chris McGregor to talk about Ignatius and Polycarp right after this. It's 13 Tilt. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Laura Teach Me to Pray, the Ignatian Prayer Series, can now train you and others electronically to become facilitators and bring the Ignatian way of prayer to your parish. Come to know and love Jesus Christ like never before and help others do the same. Don't pass up the opportunity to join this work of the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. That's LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. If you're currently an EWTN media missionary or just interested in becoming one, we've got some great news. EWTN Media Missionaries has a new and improved website. EWTNMissionaries.com, designed with you in mind. Our new site is loaded with great features and it's easy to navigate. There are so many different ways that you can help EWTN. Join us in sharing the eternal word with the world. Visit EWTNMissionaries.com today. 11 till, here's Anna with headlines. Tens of thousands of young people are descending on Lisbon, Portugal as World Youth Day kicks off today. Pope Francis paid a visit to the Basilica of St. Mary Major to entrust his pilgrimage to Portugal to Our Lady. He travels there tomorrow. And Ukraine will now be observing Christmas on December 25th after the president signed a new law moving the official holiday you can hear news at the top and bottom of each hour right here on the sunrise morning show
Chris McGregor back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Anna. How are you today? I am doing great. And our selection from the Office of Readings is unreal. This is for (laughs) Friday of the 17th week in Ordinary Time. It is taken from a letter written by St. Ignatius of Antioch to St. Polycarp. Who are these guys? Let's just go big, shall we? Yeah, for real. <laughs> um, yeah, St. Ignatius of Antioch, the great father of the church who would, uh, on his way to Rome to be uh, martyred, and he knew that, and it, which was unusual at the time because usually Christians were martyred in, in their cities. And yet, for one reason or another, the emperor wanted him to come to Rome, probably to be displayed in the uh, rather newly built Colosseum to provide entertainment. And as he is uh, on this journey in chains, he is writing letters to so many, uh, probably seven or eight different communities and one to Polycarp. Polycarp, who was the uh, the one who was with St. John, the apostle. So there is a direct line connection to the apostles and Polycarp. And Ignatius is writing to Polycarp to encourage him to say, you know, don't forget these things. I'm so glad I had a chance to meet you. And I know you have this um, godliness of your mind and you're anchored, it seems, as he would say, in an immovable rock. You know, here I go, but I want you to know, keep, keep these things in mind. This is the marching orders essentially for all Christians, for all of us. It's, it's, it's so beautiful, isn't it? It is so beautiful. So just to, to get further context here, um, they meet on Ignatius's journey to his martyrdom, correct? That is the, mm-hmm. the opportunity that they had to meet was Ignatius is being carted off to Rome and, and encounters Polycarp in Smyrna. That's right. Wow. So he's, this is kind of, you know, I just, we wow, met. Wow, wow. I'm so glad it gave me such encouragement. And now I want, I'm, I'm putting this down in writing so we don't forget. Wow. So what stands yeah. out to you in this letter, Chris? Well, it, it, it has several different parts. And it, it talks about the importance of uh, help all men as the Lord also helps you suffer all men in love. Indeed, you are doing this. He could see that Ignatius could see that Polycarp was himself having to suffer. But pray unceasingly, beg for wisdom, be watchful, and keep the spirit from slumbering. And this is this line in this particular paragraph. It, it really hit me. Speak to each person individually, just like God Himself, mm. and like a perfect champion, bear the infirmities of all. The greater the toil, the greater the gain. And that is so beautiful. It's to reverence each person. And he says this, just like you were speaking to God, give, you know, give each soul, no matter who it is. It could, you know, he was probably doing that, Ignatius, as he's walking with the the 10 guards that are taking him to Rome. Mm -hmm. You know, this is what transforms us. Even your enemies, speak to them you know, give them attention. It's beautiful, isn't it? That line stood out to me as well, because I'm thinking of Ignatius knowing that he's headed to a gruesome death is writing this and and talking about how God, how we need to speak to each person individually, just as God speaks to each person. 
individually. And you wonder what he was experiencing in prayer in that time as he's approaching his death. Yeah, he would go on to say in that second paragraph, these critical times have need of you as a ship needs a helmsman and the storm-tossed sailor needs a harbor. And be strict with yourself like a good athlete of God. The prize is immortality and eternal life, as you know, and I offer myself up as a sacrifice on your behalf, myself in these chains which you yourself have kissed. Kissed. Yeah, so I mean, the chains of Antioch, Ignatius of Antioch. These critical times, Anna, I mean, we talk about, uh, there's a lot of discourse about how some may feel about the church this way or that way. But there is, I mean, here are the early Christians that are literally being led to death, you know, at this this infancy of the, the life of the church. And here, here's the instruction. This is how it, it, it grew. It was because how they, in these critical times, they need your witness, but it's to be tender, loving, gentle, even to those who persecute you. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. He says, do not be caught off balance by those who plausibly teach perverse doctrines. Stand firm as an anvil under the blows. The task of great athletes is to suffer punishment and yet conquer, but especially... Mm-hmm but especially must we endure all things for the sake of God, that he also may endure us. Even in the midst of all of this, Ignatius recognizing that we all are in need of God's mercy, that God may also endure us. What an incredible line. Yeah, please get out and find this in online and print it out. It's from the feral reading from the Friday of the week, 17 in Ordinary Time. You can find it in the Office of Readings, and you can find Chris McGregor and all of her excellent podcasts over at discerninghearts.com, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you for bringing this one to our attention, Chris. You're a good example of this. St. Ignatius would be proud of you, Anna. Thanks. Likewise, Chris. Just stop. That'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. God bless you. Are you using the latest version of the Sacred Heart Radio app? Well, by updating or reinstalling the Sacred Heart Radio app, you get the upgraded features like the daily podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again from the Sunrise Morning Show or Driving Home the Faith. To reinstall the Sacred Heart Radio app, go to sacredheartradio.com and scan the QR code, and depending on your phone, choose the App Store or Google Play to begin enjoying the latest version of the Sacred Heart Radio app. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirmed. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. 
Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Our bodies are a gift of God, a temple of the Holy Spirit. Just as the human body ought to be treated with respect and dignity in life, so it is meant to be treated after death. The Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society can help make advance arrangements with their Catholic funeral plan. Pre-planning is especially important to those preparing to enroll in Medicare. It also ensures that you make the arrangements you want, leaving your family without the hardship of planning while grieving. Find out more at 557-2306, extension 319, or online at cccsohio.org. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. I'm Father Chet Artishevitz of the Glen Mary Home Missioners, and thank you so much for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Continue on this Tuesday, August the 1st. It is the Feast of St. Alphonsus Liguori, a patron for those who suffer from arthritis. So let's pray for his help in that regard in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. St. Alphonsus, preacher, confessor, founder, bishop, doctor of prayer, and friend of the poor. You are also the special patron of all who suffer from arthritis and the pains of many years. When our fingers twist with pain, keep us focused on the hands of Christ. When our knees knob with endless aches, allow us to see the knees of Jesus struggling under the heavy cross. When our backs stiffen with soreness, let us remember the back of Christ thrown against the cold, rough wood of the cross. When our joints, hips, arms, legs, and knuckles hurt so much that tears well up in our eyes, help us to recall the tears, the sweat, and the blood that flowed from our crucified Lord, who suffered so much more for each of us. Amen. St. Alphonsus Liguori, pray for us. Anna Mitchell's having trouble with that prayer because I'm a little specific about some of that pain. I'm sorry, Anna, if you're sort of like flinching hearing some of those things. There's more in there that I left out. This so prayer know. is too much for me. I'm like getting like joints, sympathy hips, pains arms, just listening legs, to knuckles, it. Pinky toes. I'm suffering along with you all now. Well, I know that, uh, and I mentioned this when I did this at the 6 o'clock hour, some of you who struggle with that stuff, this time of morning, when you just got out of bed and you could barely move. At any rate, that prayer is specifically for those of you who had a hard time of getting out of bed this morning. We've got more to talk about as the hour continues that uh, will go beyond merely discussing arthritis. <laughs> Dina Dwyer Owens will be along. Uh, Dr. Jared Stout 
as well. Kevin Schmeezing will take a look at this week in Catholic history. Also, Andrew Swafford continuing our series on a Catholic guide to the Old Testament. We get into the book of Deuteronomy today with him. So please do stay with us if you can. Two minutes past the hour. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Indiana's near total ban on abortion takes effect today. It prohibits all abortions in the Hoosier state with some exceptions within a certain time frame in the cases of rape, incest, fetal abnormality, or when the mother's life is deemed to be at risk. Indiana was the first state to pass new abortion restrictions after Roe v. Wade was overturned last year, but the ban was blocked by a judge initially. It's able to take effect now because of an Indiana Supreme Court ruling last month determining the law does not violate Indiana's Constitution. The U.S. House and Senate have each approved their own version of a must-pass defense spending bill. The Senate version does not include an amendment passed by the House, which would rescind the Defense Department's new policy to pay for service members to travel to obtain abortion. There will also be debate over funding going toward medical interventions for service members identifying as transgender. All troops, though, will get a 5% raise in both versions. Tens of thousands of young people are descending on Lisbon, Portugal, as World Youth Day kicks off today. The event runs through August 6th this weekend, and the theme for 2023 is taken from Luke chapter 1, verse 39. Mary arose and went with haste. Pope Francis will be tra traveling to Portugal tomorrow to join the pilgrims. This will be his fourth World Youth Day as Pope. His prayer intention for this new month of August is that World Youth Day in Lisbon will help young people to live and witness the gospel in their own lives. Ukraine will be observing Christmas on December 25th starting this year. From Vatican Radio, Stefan Boss reports. Amid the setbacks, Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky visited Ukrainian troops in advanced positions near the eastern Bakhmut frontline on Saturday. Earlier, he visited a damaged cathedral and medical center in Odessa following Russian strikes there. He also found time to sign into law that moves the official Christmas Day state holiday from January 7th to December 25th to protest Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Kiev says that for centuries, first Imperial Russia and then the Moscow-dominated Soviet Union had tried to control Ukraine. This included the imposed authority of the Russian Orthodox Church over Ukraine's churches. For Vatican Radio, I am Stefan Bos. Reporting. More than half of U.S. adults say they live paycheck to paycheck. Mark Mayfield has more. A new report from Lending Club puts that number at 61%. It suggests that lower income workers have been hit the hardest by price increases because food and other staples account for a bigger share of their household budgets. Among consumers earning less than $50,000 annually, roughly three quarters were living paycheck to paycheck in June. This comes despite signs that inflation appears to be cooling. I'm Mark Mayfield. And Major League Baseball is settling a wage dispute with its minor league affiliates. The organization paid $185 million to system players who claimed the league violated minimum wage laws. The agreement was negotiated last year, and about 24,000 players will receive payments. 
in five to in the five to six thousand dollar range. Eight oh six now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. I mean it when I say it, Anna Mitchell. I love this Reds team. I know. It's so fun. It isn't is it? so much fun. Reds beat go the Reds uh, go. Reds beat the Chicago Cubs, so we didn't have to hear anyone sing any songs. Sorry about that, Anna Mitchell. Uh, Reds beat You're the Cubs. You're not sorry. It's fine. Go ahead. It was for the audience. All right. Uh, Luke Malley drove in a, a pair of runs in the second inning. Will Benson also had an RBI. Showing off his speed with the triple. Buck Farmer got the win in relief as Alexis Diaz notched his 32nd uh, save of the season. That is the most in Major League Baseball. Reds improved to 59-49, and 49, 10 games over 500, a game and a half lead over the Brewers, five game leads uh, or five game lead over the uh, Chicago Cubs. We like to hear it. Also, today's the trade deadline, Anna Mitchell. Ooh. Reds have acquired a pitcher from the uh, Oakland Athletics. I have never heard of this guy, Sam Mole, but uh, now I have. He is a left-hander. Mole. Mole. Spell it. M-O-L-L. As if you're about to spell molar, but uh, you missed the E. Anywho. Um, <laughs> or the, mall. Yeah. Like my, we call my sister Mall. Yeah. Well, yeah, except I only the use one L. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Two else. He is 0-3 this year with a 4.54 ERA and 44 relief pitches, uh, appearances, excuse me. 31 years <laughs> old. 44 relief pitches is not yeah, all lot. he's done is throw 44 <laughs> pitches. No, uh, the 31-year-old is under uh, team control, and he has a uh, career 4.13 ERA. But he's a good left. He's a good left-handed uh, reliever. So okay. Hopefully, we can use him right. And uh, I'm really, really excited about this team. Anna I know, Mitchell. man. It is day one of August, and, and we're, we're, we're we're like more than in it. We're in we're first on top pl- of it. We're in first place. This is unreal. We, like this is we can't be dethroned either. So different from what I expected in. I believe I saw the stat it said a year ago the Reds were like 16 games out of first place. Oh, my gosh. Day one of August. So, so yeah. Let's, I was not looking forward to this season and have been more than pleasantly surprised. Yeah, let's soak it up. It should be fun. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to uh, traffic now on a uh, Tuesday. Today is Tuesday. Matt said it was Tuesday. Indeed, it's All Tuesday. Right. Tuesday, uh, service traffic, a service of Larkin Cobb, Chevrolet, Buick, and GMC in Eaton, Ohio. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Take it away. A couple of slow spots to report. Northbound 7175 from uh, just before the 275 interchange up to the river. Northbound 471 is slowing from Alexandria Pike up to the river. Southbound 75, off and on heavy and slow from Union Center Boulevard down to the Norwood Lateral. Southbound 71 is heavy from like just past 275 down toward Red Bank. Now for weather, mostly sunny skies today and low humidity. It is going to be a beautiful day today. A high of 84 degrees in Cincinnati. A few clouds tonight and pleasant with an overnight low of 63, partly cloudy and a bit warmer tomorrow with a high of 86 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, 
Sunny with a few afternoon clouds today and a high of 85. A few clouds tonight with an overnight low near 60. Mix of sun and clouds tomorrow and high near 86 degrees. Today is Tuesday, August the 1st, the Feast of St. Alphonsus Liguori, Doctor of Moral Theology. Pray for us. Ten past now. Matt? Thanks so much, Anna Mitchell. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Dina Dwyer-Owens. It's always great to catch up with her and talk about faith and values, especially as it applies to our life out in the workplace. You can download her Create Your Culture or Your Better Future Workbooks at dinadwyerowens.com. Dina, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So I'm looking back at the notes. You sent me something here that says we've been doing this for 10 years. Is that possible, (laughs) Dina? I know. Um, They say time flies, and they're not kidding. My goodness. Well, how long ago then were you on Undercover Boss? It was right about 10 years ago, I think. Well, it aired 2012, and you reached out to me shortly afterwards. That's wild that it's been going this long. Well, we've and covered it a lot of stuff. And going. Yeah. Yeah, they keep airing it, which is beautiful because it gives a, an opportunity to share faith in the workplace. I mean, you're in reruns. Uh, who knows how many times <laughs> at this point. I never uh, knew I'd be a rerun, but... <laughs> Well, there you go. Well, I think the the cool thing about it is it did open a door for these conversations that we've been able to have over uh, over time about something that basically affects the vast majority of our listenership, which is people who are going to work somewhere. And, you know, the work culture, especially if you look at inflation and rising prices on just about everything and trying to figure out how to reinvent yourself sometimes uh, in some situations in a post-COVID world, work can be absolutely front and center for our lives. It makes demands on our attention, on our energy, and everything. But I I wonder how over the course of this 10 years especially, you've been thinking about this idea of making sure that you set your values as opposed to letting the demands and pressures of your workplace set your values for you. Yeah. You know, it's, it goes back to that whole Design Your Life um, program that I've talked about a couple of times on this show where you can live by design, you can live by default. And living by default is not such a good idea. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, and God's got a design for all of our lives. You just have to slow down enough to listen. And, you know, one of the, the lessons that um, I've learned and I've had the opportunity to um, share with so many, uh, in my case, franchisees and associates and Others actually lots of opportunity in the um, in, the, in this, the the Catholic world. A lot of people have invited me to speak about this, but it's having clarity of our values because if we don't know what our values, our personal values are, and we're clear about how we hold ourselves accountable to those values, then we're going to get caught up in the rat race. And it happens to all of us. Everybody just gets busy, and we forget. It's hard to believe that we forget what's most important to us because we get caught up in the day to day. You know. I I love this idea of of really refocusing on values because if you have not just yourself but a group of people who are in that headspace, you've got something that a lot of places don't have. So let's say that I'm in a workplace with – like I've been in before where there's a disagreement into how things should be done and – we're all coming from different places, and we're all prioritizing different things, and you can get into some nasty gossip and backstabbing and mm. rivalry and all that other stuff. Well, here's the thing. I work with Anna Mitchell every morning, and Anna Mitchell and I may disagree on some stuff about you know, who we should have on or how we should run things or what, you know, how a thing should go. But Anna Mitchell and I and Paul Lockman, we have shared values. Like We all know that we're trying to do the same kind of thing for the same kind of reason. So any kind of conflict that will pop up, We'll figure it out because we've got that baseline. 
that that foundation is so key. I, for years, I uh, when I was a much younger person, you know, my my number one value, personal value, was social. Surprise, surprise. You know, social life is what it was, and you know, it was about getting out with friends in the evenings and going and having fun and driving a really nice car and. You know, just things that today are not the priority. And, and over time, of course, Matt, I came to realize my number one personal value is my faith. And with each one of our personal values, we have to understand that there is a, you, know, you might want to call it a rule, a ritual, a tradition, a habit. There are things that we do that support the fact that, in my case, faith is my number one value. Things like attending Mass five days a week. Like right after this call, I'm going right to, to Mass downtown Waco at 7.30 a.m. So going to Mass daily, it means going to Mass when I'm traveling for business on the weekends. doesn't matter. I'm still going to Mass on a Sunday. In fact, it's on my itinerary. So that's one of my, my, my rituals or habits um, that support the fact that faith is my number one value. And people around me see that. In fact, they've commented before, oh, that's interesting that you have church on your itinerary for work. It's like, yeah, because I'm going to be gone for the weekend and I'm going to make sure I don't miss Mass on Sunday. Well, that may be the kind of thing that people look at you weird the first couple times you do it, but if you establish that pattern, then people kind of just like, oh, that's Dina. She's going to be going to Mass. <laughs> that's know? right. You know what? And I invite them. I invite after, them to say, you're welcome while, to join me if you'd like. And yeah, people you, have you, joined me. Yeah, and you carve out that space, and after a while, people respect you for, for sticking to those values. I mean, this this may not take the form of that in, in a way that people can see all the time because you know a lot of people who go to daily mass listen to this show do it before they go to work so uh nobody necessarily sees or knows that but there are certain things that you can do if you value your faith first and foremost uh things like when people are trashing each other in the break room you don't participate you know people kind of start to see after a while ah well, that person's not gonna if i go over and gripe to that person i'm not gonna I'm not going to find somebody who's going to egg me on in it, right? You start to develop that reputation when it's clear that those values and boundaries are out there. That makes me laugh because you're so right. And, I, you know, one of the, the longtime values of Neighborly, which was formerly the Dwyer Group, where I was the CEO, is speaking calmly and respectfully without profanity or sarcasm. Matt, it is so incredible to me that somebody who uses profane words in every other sentence in a typical setting – went around me, and, and it's not because I'm better than anybody else, but they're clear that I am not going to participate in a, in a conversation with a profanity. They, they stop cussing in front of me. And these are people who will say to me, you know what? Somehow I cannot cuss when I'm around you, but when I get back with my other group, I'm right back to the normal cussing. Well, it's because you're a lady, Dina. Well, but, but that's part I've of also it, made right? it but clear. It's, it, yeah. But there I mean, are ladies that use profanity, it, people- too. Exactly. I mean, people are like, yeah, that Dina's not she's not about that stuff. Watch your language around her. I mean, that's that's how you start a culture, right? I mean, isn't this kind of your whole deal about you change a culture by just saying, hey, this is what we're actually about. That's right. But it starts with you. So it starts with the individuals being willing to live the culture, which are your values, comes back to the values. And what are the what are the accountability statements or the habits that support those values? Because you've got to hold yourself accountable, you know, because I I mess up all the time. Um, but the goal is is to bring myself back <laughs> to you know that foundation, which is so important to the way I live my life. And then when we all do that, like you and Anna and Paul in the workplace, it makes for such a much healthier setting, and you have a lot more fun. And I know you like to have fun, Matt, and so do I. And when you're clear about your values, you're not afraid to live them, people do respect you. In fact, you become a form of a magnet because they go, why? How is it that Matt can be so clear about who he is 
and unabashed about it. He he he's open about it, but he's not in your face about it. And I respect that. And I'd like to be stronger like Matt. Well, I don't hear that very often because they say it behind my back, Dina. So there you go. <laughs> that's okay. They're talking good about your back. I, I like I like being talked about that way behind my back. But let's let's talk to the person maybe who's out there listening and saying, "Man, this sounds awesome and amazing. I really would love to overhaul my entire." way of looking at my work life and faith balance and and I want to create this kind of space for myself but it sounds like I can't I can't make over the whole thing on a Tuesday morning what would be like maybe one step you'd recommend to someone to just dip their toes on the water of of making a change in this area I, I, I it comes right back to what is your number one personal value and if you're going cash I really don't know. In my Create Your Culture workbook, there's a single page that's got like, I don't know, a hundred and something potential values. And you might just zip through that page and say, ah, if it's not faith today in your life, maybe it's family. Uh, Maybe it's something else. But figure out what that is and then say, what is the number one habit that supports that faith or that value? I'm sorry. What's the number one habit that I can live today? Because you know what? Most of our values come with daily habits. Right? There are things that we do day in and day out that demonstrate our commitment to that value. So I would suggest to the listener, get clarity about what is your number one personal value and what's the one habit that you need to work on living today to support that value so it's clear to yourself, your family, and the people around you that that value is important to you. Yeah, there may be some people who've got that daily mass and daily rosary thing nailed down, right? But what they don't right. have so nailed next? down is – Stopping gossip in the workplace, right? <laughs> or some of these other things that you've mentioned along the way. Good point. Very good point. So maybe well, it's, you know, refraining, walking away from that conversation. Walking away, learning when to quit, learning how to rein in the anger, you know, being a mm-hmm. person of joy, uh, those sorts of things. Well, Dina, this is this is great stuff. Remind people where they can find uh, your Create Your Culture workbook or your Better Future workbooks. Yep, dinadwyerowens.com. All right, and sign off for me. Because we got to get your sound bite. God work. There it is. There it is. It's not a Dina God conversation. Bless. Ten years running. Unless, it's, unless it closes that way. Have a wonderful day, Dina. We'll talk to you soon. You too. Thanks, Matt. 21 past. We're back right after this. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith when Philip Campbell will discuss his new book, The Story of Mary. Alan Migliorato will give us the Adventure Catholic Parenting Tip this week. I'll reflect on the life of St. Alphonsus Liguori. There's frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Bridgetown Finer Meats, the place to go for Wagyu beef. This beef is bred from authentic Wagyu genetics from legendary Japanese bloodlines. Holistically raised on local family farms, Wagyu is all natural with no added hormones, highly marbled, and absolutely delicious. Since 1979, Bridgetown Finer Meats has continually offered prime beef, top quality pork, Amish poultry, fresh seafood, and a vast array of homemade foods. Bridgetown Finer Meats, 574-3100 and online at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. 
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Ken Herbert Plumbing, licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. All their plumbers are bonded, insured, drug tested, and background checked for peace of mind. Rated A-plus from the BBB. Ken Herbert Plumbing, 513-383-2974. 22 minutes past the hour now, and this traffic report is a service of Rose Automotive pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton on the web at Rose Automotive Group. Dot com Still running pretty slow on northbound 7175, especially uh, from 275 up toward Dixie Highway. You'll remain heavy until you get up to the Ohio River. Northbound 471 is heavy from uh, Grand Avenue up to the river on the Ohio side of things. Southbound 71 a little slow uh, as you're driving by an accident on the left shoulder at Ronald Reagan and southbound 75 is slow as you're heading through the Lachlan split. Now for weather, nice day today. Mostly sunny in Cincinnati, low humidity and a high of 84 degrees. A few clouds tonight and pleasant with an overnight low of 63. Partly cloudy and a little warmer tomorrow with a high of 86. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, mix of sun and clouds today with a high of 85. A few clouds tonight with an overnight low near 60. Sun and clouds again tomorrow with a high of 86 degrees. Dr. Jared Stout joins us next. It's 24 past. Did you just receive a Sacred Heart Radio t-shirt because you took our listener survey? One thing the survey told us was how many of you found out about Sacred Heart Radio from our bumper magnets. So imagine how many more will know where they can hear about God's love and mercy by wearing your Sacred Heart Radio t-shirt. So thank you for letting the good news be told without saying a word. Every time you wear your Sacred Heart Radio t-shirt and by ordering our bumper magnets by going to sacredheartradio.com and clicking on signs and magnets. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers, doctors David and Michael Rothen, have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The twin dental doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Stegman Landscape. Serving the tri-state since 1979, Stegman Landscape can create a picture-perfect landscape all year long. From design, installation, and maintenance to retaining walls, patios, and outdoor fireplaces to enjoy any season, Stegman Landscape can do it all. Stegman Landscape, making the world more beautiful one yard at a time. 859-781-1562 and online at stegmanlandscape.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. The 
Sunrise Morning Show continues here on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 7.40 a.m., 9.10 a.m. Good morning to everyone listening online and via the Sunrise Morning Show app. It is the Feast of St. Alphonsus Liguori, Doctor of Moral Theology, a super, super smart guy who was a lawyer. I think I'm trying to remember back to I had a conversation with Dr. Matthew Bunsen last hour where it sounds like we're having trouble getting Dr. Stout on the line here. Um, he was a lawyer at like age 16, I think Dr. Bunsen said, and then of course goes on to become a priest, very well educated priest, of course, um, had his own, um, well, he then found the Redemptorists, the Congregation of the Most Holy Redeemer in 1732, becomes a bishop. He is a prolific writer, um, writing a book called Moral Theology. He wrote a book called The uh, Glories of Mary and goes on to uh, live until he was almost 90. And when he died, declared a saint and then a doctor of the church by Pope Pius IX in 1871, considered the, uh, well, called the doctor of moral theology. Matt, are you there by any chance? We weren't able to get Dr. Stout on the line. I guess Matt's not there at the moment. He walked away from his microphone. I was going to give him an opportunity to promote his books from Liguori Publications, but because he's not here, I am not going to allow him to do it. I'll promote his wife's books instead, which are also which are also produced by Liguori Publications. So you got uh, Radiate and what was it? Ablaze. That was the first one. Daring Stories of Teen Saints and then Radiate More Daring Stories of Teen Saints by Colleen Swaim from Liguori Publications. So a buono nomastico to Liguori. Thanks for publishing Colleen's books. It's 28 past now. Kevin Schmeising now joining us. He is the author of A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History. And we like to take a look at this week in Catholic history every week here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Kevin, good morning. Hey, Matt. Good morning. So you've got some Ursuline history for us from the 1600s. Yeah, the Ursulines are a big presence in uh, Catholic education in the United States, among other places. And they first arrived in the New World this week, back in 1639. The Ursulines had been founded in 1535 in Italy by St. Angela Marici. Their main purpose was the education of girls and young women. A widow, Marie Guyart, joined the order in France in 1631. She received the name Marie of the Incarnation. Shortly after that, she had a mystical vision that she and her spiritual director interpreted to mean that she was to be a missionary in a new land. In the meantime, Samuel de Champlain and others had been exploring and settling New France, roughly speaking, what is now Canada. In 1608, Champlain founded the city of Quebec on the St. Lawrence River. It was still a settlement of fewer than a 1,000 people, when Marie of the Incarnation and two fellow Ursulines arrived this week, August 1st, 1639. 
The Ursulines immediately began teaching girls, both French and indigenous. Their own numbers began to grow as native Canadians joined the order. By 1697, they had opened a second house, and by 1700, there were 40 nuns altogether. The sainthood cause of Marie of the Incarnation was initiated in the 19th century. It came to fruition when she was canonized by Pope Francis in 2014. Saint Marie of the Incarnation, one of the three Ursulines who arrived in Quebec this week in 1639. Pretty cool. And also this week in Catholic history, we get to talk about a code breaker. A code breaker, his name Joe Desch. The code breaking uh, in World War II has gotten a lot of attention over the last couple of decades, lots of books and movies. There was a Catholic at the heart of it, this guy, Joe Desch. Now, I didn't know anything about this until recently, Matt, so I got to give a couple of hat tips here. Jim DeBrosse did a series in the Dayton Daily News. That was published back in 2001, but I didn't see it at the time. I didn't know about it until I heard a recent episode on the Ohio Mysteries podcast. That pointed me to the articles. And so you're getting in a much condensed form here uh, a version of that story. Joseph Desch was born in 1907 in Dayton, Ohio, to a German Catholic family. He attended Catholic school with the Marianists at Emanuel Parish, where he apparently at one point got into a physical altercation with an instructor over a math problem. He cared deeply about his math. He finished his education at the local Marianist College, the University of Dayton, with a degree in electrical engineering. Dayton was at this time a center of engineering and innovation. Desch worked successively at General Motors Radio, Telecom Laboratories, and then National Cash Register. When the U.S. entered World War II in 1941, NCR stopped making cash registers. It devoted all its resources to work for the U.S. Navy. Its most consequential contribution was high-speed deciphering machines, code breakers, for which primary credit goes to the man who was, by all accounts, both a practical and theoretical genius, Joe Desch. After Allied scientists had broken the earlier German Enigma code, the Germans improved their technology, so a device exponentially more powerful, faster, was needed. And that's where Desch and NCR came in. Desch worked frantically to create the machine and then to use it. It was a situation where a matter of hours could mean life or death for American soldiers, especially sailors who were subject to Nazi submarine attacks in the North Atlantic. So the Navy put massive pressure on the NCR team. Desch worked 14-hour days. He was under 24-hour surveillance. He was forced to break off relations with his German relatives. In fact, he had a few um, distant relatives who were members of the Nazi party in Germany. So it was kind of a delicate situation. Friends and family always described Desch as devoutly Catholic throughout his life, but sometime during this period, he stopped going to church. It probably had to do with the intense psychological strain. He felt guilt for not producing results fast enough to save Americans, but also guilt for producing the intelligence that led to the killing of thousands of Germans. After the war, Desch reconciled with the faith. He went to confession to a priest from his elementary school days. And when his daughter made her first communion a few days later, he went with her, receiving communion for the first time in 15 years. With the help of his faith, Desch seems to have found a measure of peace by the late 1950s, though he still rarely talked about his wartime exploits, and they remained a sensitive subject for the rest of his life. Joe Desch was 80 years old when that life came to an end, this week, August 3rd, 1987. And I would never know that story if I hadn't been listening to This Week in Catholic History. What a cool piece of... Uh, uh, of history related to World War II that probably a lot of people don't even know about. Well, until, well, like I say, until you just found out about it recently yourself. Kevin Schmeezing, we've got your book as well as the Catholic History Trek podcast linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks as always. Have a great day. Thanks, Matt. You too. All right, 33 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with news. 
Good morning. Indiana's new abortion law, which bans most abortions after 10 weeks and bans outpatient clinics from offering abortions, takes effect today. Lawmakers approved the law last August, not long after the U.S. Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade. A judge had initially blocked the law, but the Indiana Supreme Court later overturned that order. The new law does allow for some exceptions up to 20 weeks. In Washington, the U.S. House and Senate have each now approved their version of a must-pass defense spending bill. The Senate version does not include an amendment that had been included by the House, which rescinds the Defense Department's new policy to pay for service members to travel to obtain abortions. Texas Senator John Cornyn has gone on record saying he would like to see that amendment be part of the final bill that will head to the president's desk. There will also be debate over funding going toward medical interventions for service members identifying as transgender. One point of agreement, though, all troops would get a 5% raise in both versions. Tens of thousands of young people are descending on Lisbon, Portugal, as World Youth Day kicks off today. The event runs through August 6th this weekend, and it will be under the theme from Luke 139, Mary arose and went with haste. Pope Francis will travel to Portugal tomorrow to join these pilgrims. As is his custom, he paid a visit to the Basilica of St. Mary Major yesterday to entrust his pilgrimage to Our Lady. This will be his fourth World Youth Day as Pope. His prayer intention for this new month of August is that World Youth Day in Lisbon will help young people to live and witness the gospel in their own lives. The prefect for the Dicastery for Integral Human Development spoke yesterday at the International Congress on the Care of Creation held in Lisbon just ahead of World Youth Day. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. Cardinal Michael Cherney, prefect of the Dicastery for Promoting Integral Human Development, gave an address entitled The Theological Significance of Integral Ecology that's at the service of every person, particularly the most vulnerable. Colonel Cherney first looked at the new geological epoch of today, which has brought about what he called a staggering turning point in the history of our planet, where human beings have significantly altered all planetary systems, the atmosphere, oceans, continents, and ecosystems. Colonel Cherney pointed out that the focal point of Pope Francis' encyclical on the care of our common home, Laudato Si, tells us simply and forcefully that humanity has to change and even more so to convert. And the Pope also examines the role of the new generations in the encyclical, recalling that young people demand change. They wonder how anyone can claim to be building a better future without thinking of the environmental crisis and the sufferings of the excluded. Colonel Cherney also offered some concrete actions to authentically promote an integral ecology, and the main objective is to achieve through a sustainable transition the goal of zero emissions by the middle of this century. He notes that there must be a rapid transition from a fossil fuel economy to a clean energy economy. And to achieve this goal, he explained that one must stop deforestation, especially in watersheds of global importance like the Amazon and the Congo. He said one must protect ocean shorelines from erosion and protect biodiversity and halt ecosystem degradation. To promote an integral ecology, Cardinal Trinifani pointed out to a guide we all have, a role model often mentioned by Pope Francis, and that's St. Francis, who's the excellence of care for the vulnerable and of an integral ecology lived out joyfully and authentically. The Saint of Assisi, he says, shows us how inseparable the bond is between concern for nature 
justice for the poor, and commitment to society and interior peace. I'm Thaddeus Jones. 837 coming up on 838 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. Fun year in sports and the Reds just keep on uh, keeping on. Reds knock off the, uh, how about this, the Chicago Cubs last night. A lot of fun and uh, Reds pick up a uh, big time win. Uh, over the Cubs, and with that win, that means they're back in first place by game and a half. So uh, starting to uh, build some uh, build some cushion, and especially if uh, Cincinnati can pull off another win today against the Cubbies, that would be nice. How about this? Uh, Reds also made a move at the trade deadline. They picked up a new player I've never heard of, but now I am uh, a big fan of. Sam Mole. He, uh, he was a pitcher for the Athletics. Left-hander uh, in exchange for minor league pitcher Joe Boyle. We will miss you, Joe. Uh, Mole is 0-3 with a 5.54 ERA and 44 relief appearances this year. 31 years old and has a career ERA of 4.13. Boyle was the 28th prospect, according to uh, MLB.com's pipeline for uh, the Cincinnati Reds. He was four. He had a 4.50 ERA in 19 starts in Double A Chattanooga. We wish him the best, and we also wish the Reds the best as they play Game Two against the Cubs at Wrigley. All right, that's a check in on sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. Cooperative advertising. It's used by businesses that include the mention of a manufacturer of a product who in turn repays the business for part of the cost of their ad. A good example might be an insurance agent mentioning the brand name insurance she sells in her ad. Co-op ads are a cost-effective way your business can reach customers. And at Sacred Heart Radio, we've had a few underwriters who've used co-op advertising to assist in the cost of their underwriting. You want to learn more? Email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Family, please know that Sacred Heart Radio has never sold or shared our mailing list with anyone. So when you donate or sign up to receive our newsletters, be confident that Sacred Heart Radio will not sell or share your information with other organizations. Pope Benedict XVI advised, Receiving the Eucharist means adoring Him who we receive. Only in this way do we become one with Him and are given, as it were, a foretaste of the beauty of the heavenly liturgy. So let us reflect. How does my time in adoration before the Blessed Sacrament prolong and intensify what the Holy Spirit is doing within me during Mass? For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Precious Blood Father Kevin Scalf. 
I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast, licensed counselor, former seminary professor as well. Kevin, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great, and uh, this is something that you know I uh, will be very closely paying personal attention to, the idea of adapting your parenting style as your kids get older. A lot of parents can probably relate to this because parenting a baby in some ways is kind of easy. You don't sleep much, but you sort of know what you have to do. Once you, mm-hmm. once they get a little older, the game kind of changes. <laughs> so how yeah. do we need to adapt? Right, Matt, that's exactly it. So both our kids and us as parents, we go through developmental stages and our kids are a moving target, right? So we think we know what we're doing by the time they're, you know, little ones out of diapers, but then, you know, it keeps on happening. So a couple of things, a couple of points here, Matt, I think that as kids get to be teenagers and then young adults, that we can go to two extremes. Uh, we can say on the one hand, kind of the permissive laissez-faire I'm done with my job. I'm going to wash my hands. They're on their own now. I've done everything I can, right? And the other extreme, which is also not helpful, is to be what we call an an authoritarian kind of parenting style or controlling or micromanaging. And we want to find some sweet spot in the middle. So our whole job, what's our job as parents is to to get them ready to be launched and to be independent uh, faithful adults, right? So we have to, so some questions here in the summertime as we're getting ready for school, whatever age our kids are, is to think about how much are we, which end of that spectrum are we, more on the permissive side or the authoritarian side? And what would it mean to try to focus on equipping my young person with skills? So the skills, like just basic practical skills, like doing the laundry, taking care of the car, but the other skills of managing their emotions, uh, pausing and getting consultation to make good decisions, weighing the pros and cons, uh, resilience, self-reliance, those kind of concepts. Uh, and how of about course, time our management? Yeah. Time management. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, when, right. when I can't be there to say, hey, you know, here's a limit on how often you should do this or how long you should do this activity and you need to spend some time on that. I mean, I've, as parents, yeah. we get kind of nervous about what's going to happen with time management to, as these kids get older and have to make those decisions well, for themselves. Well, we do, but the difference there, Matt, would be, you know, again, another continuum would be, on the one hand, would be enabling. So I'm getting between my child and the natural consequences of my child's actions, especially as they're a teenager or young adult. So I see parents who have gotten themselves into debt because they've got a college student who got a credit card and ran up an enormous amount of money they were not able to repay. And so the parents step in, and I've known parents not just once but twice and just take care of that debt. Or a kid gets in trouble with underage drinking while they're in high school or on the college campus or away. And we rush out, we get an attorney that we know, we bail them out, uh, we you know plead for them. So we kind of take over, we don't let them learning. There's no learning that happens from that. On the other side would be to have, uh, particularly as we get to later adolescence, young adulthood, is the idea of being having an adult-adult relationship. A friend of mine uh, pointed this out to me when my oldest son was like 12 or 13 and was, uh, you know, very difficult. We had a conflictual relationship. But a great question he asked is, what kind of relationship do you want to have with him 10 years from now? And is what you're doing now 
making a good relationship more likely when he's 23 and not 13? And that was a great question. So I think what my friend was getting at is develop an adult-adult relationship where I, I really don't give advice most of the time that I try to listen. I'm a sounding board, but I can ask difficult questions. And, I, and my, my sons are in their 40s now. But we have those kind of conversations where I try to steer away from giving unwanted advice and try to get them to think like, well, have you thought about this? Or, you know, this is what I did in a similar situation, but you have your life. Uh, you know, who else could you talk to about this? What other information do you need? And that's more treating them like an adult. The other part here, Matt, is I think, and it ties in with marriage. So us as adults with our developmental stages at midlife and beyond, when our kids are launched. So you've heard me say this many times before, too many marriages are kid focused. Uh, so we love our kids, but they really should not be the number one priority. It really should be God you know, uh, our marriage, and then the kids, and then everything else after that. And nobody wants to hear that, but I think that's really important in, in adolescence as kids are getting ready to launch, is what's the tone of the relationship between me and my spouse? Are we are we doing the things we need to do to let go, to relinquish control, and to build our relationship uh, as a couple? Are we spending time together? Uh, somebody once said that the relationship between mom and dad are like the, it's like the atmosphere, the air that our kids breathe. What are they breathing? Is it toxic atmosphere in the house? Or can they see that mom and dad keep growing in love? And then individually, and this is a spiritual dimension that we can ask God to say, okay, I've done my job, mission accomplished as best as I can up till they're 18 or 25. I'm, you know, I can't control them anymore. What am I going to do with my life? Like what else is God asking me to do? when we have this empty nest. So work on the marriage, obviously, but then what is God calling me to do? What's the new mission, the new vocation, the new call that I have at midlife in terms of service and not just living through my kids or my grandkids, which I think is that we love our kids and our grandkids, but it's not, it's not really the best thing in the world to make them the absolute be all and end all and priority. So to be available, but that adult-adult relationship, this is your life to live, I have to live my life. And I think kids do better, young adults do, if they see that mom and dad are doing okay. We've left the home, mom and dad are not falling apart or frantically calling us three times a day, right? So when we try to over-control, really the root of that is fear. And the only solution to fear and panic about our kids is faith. So we have to, again, bring that back to the Lord. Uh, and, and think about, you know, our blessed mother. So she let go. So there were some things there that were very painful for her. Uh, and she was certainly there by Jesus' side. But you don't hear in the scriptures that she's trying to tell him how to be the Savior and the Messiah. Yeah, for real. Thank you so much to our Catholic counselor, Kevin Prendergast. Up next on the Sunrise Morning Show, Andrew Swafford gives us a guide to the book of Deuteronomy. It's 12 till. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. A wedding is a day. A marriage is a lifetime. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. This is time for a couple to learn about each other, and their upcoming marriage. Based on communication, intimacy, and the family they grew up in. Find out more at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com.
In the past decade, more people have chosen natural or green options when planning a funeral, and the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society can help. Natural or green burials are actually quite traditional. It's how people were laid to rest for most of human history. Find out more about natural or green options for burial or cremation at the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society, where they also offer zero financing for pre-planning. The Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society, 557-2306, extension 319, or at cccsohio.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show to continue our Old Testament Bible study with a Catholic guide to the Old Testament from Ascension Press is Andrew Swafford, one of the co-authors of it. Go to ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament so you can pick up a copy and study along with us. Andrew, welcome back to the show. Yeah, it's so good to be here. It is good to have you back. And today we are talking about the final book, the fifth book of the Pentateuch, which tradition tells us was written by Moses, and this is the book of Deuteronomy. How does this book actually kind of represent a a turning point in the Old Testament? Yeah, it's it's kind of a hinge book in many ways, Um, partly because it looks back on Israel's journey from the Exodus forward. It looks at the present, but it very much sets the tone for the future. So as you get to Deuteronomy 27 through 34, it's really about the future, the future life of Israel, and, and very much at the heart of that is really a prophecy of the uh, the upcoming exile, which is many centuries away, but that when they are unfaithful, they will be removed from their land, and that whole exile is really designed as kind of a covenant discipline to stir repentance. And when they do that, when they turn to love the Lord their God with all their heart, the Lord will circumcise their hearts, give them, it's ultimately about the gift of the Spirit, and this will bring about this full restoration. So yeah, in many ways, Deuteronomy, it, it takes place, in, you know, at the end of the wilderness wandering, it's about the reflection on the past, it's about the present, but it also sets the stage for really what's going to come from Joshua, Judges, 1-2 Samuel, 1-2 Kings, and beyond. Wow. Now, Andrew, I asked you this when we talked about Leviticus, but I think it's an appropriate question to ask here, too. Why does the book of Deuteronomy exist in the first place? Can you give us the big picture of of what's going on that this book came to be? Yeah, it's really kind of fascinating. When you look at, so if you look at the Ten Commandments, Exodus 19 and 20, the Lord is sort of like direct speech. And even Leviticus, it's like the Lord said to Moses. When you look at Deuteronomy, they're really... It's really basically long speeches from Moses, sermons. From, it's sort of Moses' final testament. So in Numbers 25, we mentioned with the Numbers episode, this Baal Peor incident, which is kind of the golden cap 2.0 of the children of those who came out of the Exodus. And they commit a similar sin and in the plains of Moab. And Deuteronomy is given in the plains of Moab. It really is a response to that Numbers 25 episode. They're at the end of the 40-year wandering. They're about to go to the land, and they have this iconic fall again. Um, and it's, it's sort of Moses' kind of final plea for them to be, to be faithful. And so Deut- Deuteronomy actually literally means the Greek Deuteronomos means second law, uh, second law. So it's, and again, I, I do think this is what Paul is getting at when he talks about the law being, quote, added because of transgression. You've got a couple clear examples of Leviticus following the golden calf and Deuteronomy following 
the Baal Peor and said Numbers 25 uh, as a way of the Lord kind of meeting. And this is why there's, there are concessions. There's an accommodation. Think about Jesus when he's engaged uh, with the Pharisees about divorce. He says, for your hardness of heart, Moses allowed divorce, and the allusion is to Deuteronomy 24. But in the beginning, it was not. So so there is a sense in which Deuteronomy represents kind of a, a lower law. And there's and this is really, really important for Christians to see this. There's a gradation within the law. So traditionally, we divide up the moral law, think Ten Commandments, the ceremonial or ritual law. Think Leviticus, the laws about sacrifice, the feast, the uh, clean and unclean foods. And then the judicial or civil law, which is largely in Deuteronomy, that pertains to Israel as a nation state. And, 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 and the church is not a nation state. So that's why those judicial laws do not continue in the New Covenant. Uh, Jesus fulfills the ceremonial and sacrifices of Leviticus. Uh, and the moral law continues in the New Covenant. So just to give it maybe an example of how these work together, the punishment prescribed for adultery is part of the judicial law, the, the punishment of stoning, for example. And so that does not continue in the New Covenant. But the commandment against adultery is part of the moral law, and that mm-hmm. does continue in the New Covenant. Yeah. So it's really important when people are like, well, why do you Christians obey this law and not that? There actually is a deep and coherent reason for why. Wow. That's fascinating. Now, speaking of the law, as as we look at at how Deuteronomy informs well, is is part of the New Testament. Um, there's a point where Jesus is asked, of all of the laws, what is the greatest commandment? And I think a lot of Christians might think that Jesus just made something up when he mm-hmm. said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Because it's like, well, that's not one of the Ten Commandments, is it? You don't see that. But it's actually in the book of Deuteronomy, isn't it? That's exactly right. And I actually teach my students every semester. We learn the ancient Shema from Deuteronomy 6. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. The Lord, our God, is one. And then you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your, all your, all your strength. Um, yeah, the love of God as the greatest commandment comes from Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. And the second part of that, love your neighbor as yourself, actually comes from Leviticus 19. Uh, so that those two great commandments actually come from um, passage in Jeremiah and Leviticus, and, and they're really implied in the Ten Commandments. When you think about the two tablets, uh, the, the tradition of the two tablets, Commandments 1 through 3 are about God, 4 through 10 are about neighbor. So love of God, love of neighbor really is implicit in the Pentateuch, in the, sure. the law of the Old Testament. Makes sense. Makes sense. Good stuff from Andrew Swafford, a little primer on the book of Deuteronomy. So important in understanding the rest of the Bible as we continue our Old Testament Bible study using a Catholic guide to the Old Testament. Pick up a copy for yourself so you can study along with us with ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament. That's where you can find it. And Andrew, really appreciate your insights today. Thank you so much. No, Andy, thank you so much. It's great to be on with you. It was great to have you. So out of the Pentateuch, we go for next week. Anyway. That'll do it for this Tuesday edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. For Matt Swaim and Paul Lockman, I'm Anna Mitchell. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. With 30 years of trusted quality service and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MAID or at mollymaid.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust.
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. For over 90 years, the Jesuit Spiritual Center at Milford has enriched the spiritual lives of youth and adults, offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality. Enter into the silence of a weekend retreat and experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. The Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus is a national network of Catholic business owners, CEOs, and managing partners facing the challenges of faith, family, and business each day. We meet once a month with our spouse for a mass, dinner, and speaker. We have the support of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati and many members throughout the parishes, including yours. We would appreciate the chance to share what we are about with you and enjoy mass together soon. Contact us at CincinnatiAtLagatus.org. That's CincinnatiAtLagatus.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Central Fabricators. Central Fabricators is currently seeking welders for their ASME code fabrication shop. They're looking for hard-working professionals who enjoy meeting challenges and surpassing customer expectations. Candidates are required to have experience in fit-up and welding. This is long-term employment in a secure, rewarding full-time career with a four-day work week, health care and dental benefits, and paid vacations. More information at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can help you share your faith in style with high-quality socks and T-shirts featuring your favorite saints and the Blessed Mother. St. Michael's Rosaries in beautiful Miamisburg or online at stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. Sacred Heart of our Savior, please bless us. May we now grow in your friendship, in helpfulness to others, in gratitude for your benefits beyond number. May Christly love fill our hearts guard our thoughts, and inspire our actions. Jesus, we believe in your love for us. We trust in you and want to remain forever in the safe haven of your loving heart. Amen. This is Cardinal Raymond Burke. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN.